Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah, that's right. You're tuning into the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, and you know what that means? Your wage brain needed something to help you get through your workday. Well, here we are. Wage brain just having conversation about the outdoors and just being red-blooded Americans. Because that's our way. This isn't Chaz. <laughs> what the? What, I mean, what get, is Chaz? Get bro? out of here. This is a podcast that's presented by HHA Sports, Oof. an American company that supports our veterans, that gives you a lifetime warranty for your single pin site, for your drop away rest. And it's going to give back to veterans in the meantime, and they're sourcing everything from Midwestern materials. Right. We know you're there at work. That's what I'm talking about. You got metal shavings in your arm. You've been welding. Your foot's burned a little bit because we all know that thing dropped down into your boot. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. You did that one-footed dance a little bit, but you didn't want your boys to see it. We know what you're you doing. You played it cool. That's right. So you're, are you trying you to say that HJJ that cool. is the perfect <laughs> company? You know, don't put words in my mouth, but yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, you yeah. say what you want to say, but, you know, it is a perfect company. You know what would make them more perfect? If they made a code for us to save money for our listeners. Oh, oh. If, if <laughs> Dude, you they know were the, to do that, what would the code they? be? Well, shut your mouth, first of all. The code okay. is WCB15, mm. and you're going to save yourself some money. Oh, my God. That's real talk. Cash. That's real talk. HHASports.com. Hey, you know what they say? It is what it is. <laughs> you get off work and you're smelling like you've been welding all day and sweating in that leather jacket. You yeah, got that every day. You got that stank on your hands. You smell like gear oil. I've been mm. there. Ew. Mm. Hydraulic oils all over your pants. Mm. High guard if you're at a John Deere dealership or Gross. a factory. Gross. Bad day at work. You know. It what are you gonna do like when shit. you go hunting after work? You're gonna have to tune on the scent crusher mm-hmm. because yeah. you stink right. like like a wage brain. Yeah. Sincrusher.com no longer stink like a wage braid. That should be their slogan. Exactly. They've got all the essentials to uh, not only uh, eliminate scent from your hunting gear, but also yourself. Check out the Ozone Go and the Ozone Go Max for your truck because you got a big-ass truck. You know, you work hard. you got to haul a bunch of stuff. And Doug smells like a cubicle. Damn, dude. you got to put hey, it on you still got to crush it, brother. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Smell like an... 
<laughs> like a Bic pen and, yeah. uh, and a Sharpie ink and highlighters. And I can smell how tucked in your shirt is every day. <laughs> I smell like a computer. <laughs> yeah. I smell like electronics and yeah. you get sweat. And old farts. <laughs> yeah. you, you only get sweat around where, programming. where your belt yeah. is. A clean floor. Smell terrible. Uh, the podcast is also <laughs> brought to you by Thermoseat. And I think Thermoseat is Steve's favorite partner of ours. Uh, 100% because it's... Not to single out the rest of you. <laughs> no, not to, no, but... You know, they're all great. They're, they're all great, but uh, Thermoseat is a uh, is a true American story, you know, about a, a guy having an idea and then going with it, and now they bring you one of the most popular products in hunting, you know, whether you want to think about it or not. Your butt's going to get cold. You need to sit comfortably. Thermoseat's got you covered. Keeps your ass warm. Keeps your ass warm. Plus, they're from the coast, east fucking coast, bud. All right, Thermosy, I don't know what better plug you need for that. I don't know. Either. A victory archery, I think this year, I know we we say this everyone, like, I think this year we're shooting, I feel confident in shooting the RIP TKOs again. I've really loved that arrow. I shot that arrow before we were partnered with them. Just lucky me, I shot that arrow, and then we became partners. You, you know? just knew. Just magic, you know, I had a feeling about it. it I did not know, is. but now I do. Hey, now we all know. Takes. Love them. We don't have a promo code for them, but uh, I don't even know that's a thing. But... Oh. Victory Archery, Should great be. company, great arrows. Had we've had, I mean, how many critters have our Victory arrows <laughs> zipped through? Mm-hmm. Too many, quite a quite few. few. Too quite many, few. Uh, not enough. Oh, yeah, Ooh. true, true. Easy there, yeah. bud. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> sorry, <y'all. laughs> he got me. I mean, not last year, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Podcast also well, brought to you by Gator Outdoors. Um, Gator Outdoors is a lifestyle brand in the outdoor industry. I, I highly suggest following their social accounts. They're very friend and family oriented. Um, and it's also a website where you can buy all your favorite brands. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of brands that we're affiliated with. Um, you get some good American, wholesome, veteran, proud uh, brands there. T&K um, oh, yeah. is something you can get at Gator Outdoors. Um, and we have a great relationship with Wade, the owner of Gator. and bunch of good people there. Good people. Iowa Company. Um, Outfitting the working class. That's right. Good go. good ethics, good morals behind that brand. Check them out. Gator Outdoors. Also, Elite Archery. Elite. Eric, what are you shooting? I am shooting the... Uh... Gee God whiz. damn. Oh, Wade's man. brain. fucking brain fart. Dude, <laughs> he's on overtime. If you know, I you am. know. I your didn't. brain just did what the registers at Farm King do when you go to check out. <laughs> just fucking don't know what the hell is going just on. Just dial up registers. Error. Yeah. The cure, Eric, is shooting. There we go. What color? Uh, the real tree. Escape. The escape. Damn, right. dude. You want me to do You're this right. for you? Yeah, you might have to. <laughs> Damn. What are you shooting, Doug? I'm, fucking I'm shooting the elite spent. cure. There you go. With the copper. Copper flame. Copper flames. Stefan. God damn it. I'm shooting the uh I'm shooting the ember and that is in Realtree Edge again. Uh I dude they, they great looking bow. They killed it on that that color. It's fantastic. And I'm shooting the cure and graphite gray. Um so something interesting, if you're wanting to get into the ember, I just know this price off the top of my head. For all outdoor group products, our code is WCB. You can walk out with a brand new ember for right around that four hundred dollar range, like four hundred bucks, I think it is exactly. Don't quote me with shipping and all that shit wherever you live, but four hundred bucks, brand new elite, and that code works for everything outdoor group, everything Scott all the brands. You know, even if we're not partnered with them, like Scott Slick Trick, Slick Trick, CBE, um, a bunch of other brands that they own, Winner's Choice. I can't even. I don't even know them all. There's quite a few solid dual. Dual uh, game calls. Yep. There you go. 
Do I get them all? I'm missing a couple. I think Lynch Mob calls too, right? Lynch Mob. I can't think of you missing anybody. I think you got them all. I think it's pretty good. Cool. I would uh, if. If I were you guys, I, I would definitely go give that ember a, a, a chance because I shot the cure and I fell in love with it. But you guys all know I got a small frame and I shot that ember and I was like, ah, that's the bow I need to shoot. I'm like, it it reminded me of the first time I shot an impulse, which I it, I fell in love with. Not saying that it felt exactly the same, but I was just like, this this is my bow. Like this is the bow I need to have. Yeah. So go give it a chance if you got uh, your local archery dealers or. Can go online and uh, order you one. Use that code. Bitchin', bitchin'. Um, podcast also Hell brought yeah. to you by Big Time um, Food Plot Seed and Mineral and Supplements. So the code WCB2020 only works for Food Plot Seed last week's episode. Now it works for everything at Big Time. Ooh, um, 20%. Nice. WCB2020. Get yourself some big time goodies. That and shit ordered. If you live near Ace Hardware, you can have Big Time stuff shipped to an Ace for free. I will say, if you are using the big time mineral in the bags, make sure you got a, a big card, SD card, because it's going to fill up right away. We'll have to do, we should do some sort of series where you go in, like, video yourself setting up some big time over a trip. Because you live in Iowa where it's legal. Yeah. Um, setting it up and then coming, like, do a, like a couple times where you video yourself checking the cam and how many pictures you have and what you put out and then what it looks like when you get back to like the, the site. Like the time frame, like yeah, a, week, a week later. And I'm going to put pictures. that on you. Yeah. You're just going to vlog it up. Like, it was three days and 1,500 pictures. That's insane. 1,500 pictures? Camera, yeah. On two cameras. Dang. It's gone. Slap that bag, baby. It's gone. Slap that bag. Podcast also brought to you by Old Barn Taxidermy. And the beautiful thing about Old Barn is they're accessible Really, wherever you're at, They're, they have outposts where you can drop off, and then they come and pick up your critters. They have a uh, facility in Colorado. Colorado. Um, they're in Fort Madison, Iowa. They do amazing work. I've had several deer done there. My bear's there. Um, hopefully, I'll be getting my skull back soon. Hopefully, me and Eric get a visit there. Yeah, no kidding. Antelope. Yep. Eric's going antelope hunting with uh, me and the, me, my old man, and the Buckstrom boys. So we'll we'll take a visit. Um, and Hunter's Blend Coffee. Su- super thankful for all our partners. Um, it's fun to do ads like that with all the boys when we're just kind of messing around. But it's the good cool coffee. thing, our partners are like, just do your thing like that, which makes it fun for <laughs> yeah, us. Like it, it doesn't feel like we have to do it, but we want to do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give us free reins on it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They believe in us. I don't know why. You might have to read a statement. <laughs> What's that? You might have to like read a statement for each sponsor every time. <laughs> you know, I would kind of like that, but my stipulation would be like, I have to be able to do my own thing yeah. with it you know some of those podcasts you can tell they're reading something like up on a screen or something yeah yeah like when like on video podcast you know well how many radio shows like there's um like dwyer michaels is a local great local radio show you can hear them like oh yeah flipping where yeah, the hell that piece of paper go yeah flipping pages and or it's stuff. funny when you hear actual commercials and you hear the radio guys doing them it's like hey i know that guy he's uh the morning host and now he's telling me about uh used cars it's awesome yeah yep. but it's just it's the way that things used to be and i think they it's Great, you know, because we get to honestly talk about this stuff. I mean, I think that's why they give us free reign because, you know, we're going to sit here and bullshit you. I'm going to tell you what, how it is. Yeah, it is what it is. it is. And I don't know what that is off of, but I think I know. But I got that from you guys saying it that way, but I think I found what that's from. And I'm almost <laughs> too embarrassed to say on the podcast. How we will Because it. it is it what it is. is. Um, okay, we have a special... Mm segment um kind of a veteran shout out but a little different 
Um, not really, kind of. It's just a little different segment we're going to do before we get in this episode. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for sitting through our ads. Um, when we all get together, we'll try and make them fun like that and mix some things in. Um, I'm missing something before we go. Um, we have new state hats coming. New state hats coming. We got, Are we saying which ones? Yeah, go ahead. We're doing uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Missouri. Yep. So those were the h- highest demanded hats that we've seen we got the most messages from those states um the reason why we're trying to figure out a way to where we can get like a pre-order for all the states but the thing is you got to remember for us being a small business every time we want to make a new graphic for a hat it's a 30 dollar deal right you know you have a setup fee whenever you get merchandise and it's a one-time fee but you know we add 50 states in there yeah (laughs) and we're gonna sell two three hats maybe in certain states it's just tough for us to justify it sometimes so if you want to put an order in of 50 or more hats and then (laughs) (laughs) then we'll consider your state (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah we'll consider your state and we'll Uh, we'll keep adding more and more yeah we'll add more um Definitely. And then we're going to condense the store down to where they're all in one spot. So it's like WCB state hats, and it'll be like a drop, drop down, down menu. Yep. Um, Canada, we're only going to do provinces. Sorry, guys. We got <laughs> to figure out a way to ship to Canada. I know. It's expensive. I know. That's the thing. I get lots of messages about international shipping. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I don't, even know if, I don't even know how to go about figuring that out. But we will. Yeah. In due time in due time okay quick segment here and something a little different but we hope you enjoy thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy is that redundant all right hope you enjoy (laughs) hey so as promised in lieu of the uh, veteran shout out we have a um we have a very special thing that we want to do right now um obviously this world is is crazy you got all this all this shit going down um we have a uh, we have a very special gentleman here that uh, his name's Devin. We're gonna bring him on. He's a cop from Mattoon, Illinois, and he sent a he reached out to us and his message got to us. He sent us a video and it was very very heart touching to me. Now I'm gonna go on a little bit of a personal thing here. My brother in law is a is a county deputy and he's the father of my nieces. So I 100 percent understand a lot of the frustrations this guy's going through. Um, you know, just just due to the circumstances of the world, uh, it it tugs on my heartstrings a lot. But I just want to say, you know, Devin, thank you for reaching out to us, guys. We love our law enforcement and we love everybody. I just want to let you guys know that everybody is welcome here to express their opinions. But now we got a guy who's in, um. A very interesting situation, and you have found that hunting has been a nice relief for you, and I it, it means the world to me. And I, I teared up to us, to us. I'm sorry, you guys, us, me, me, us. Um, I just continue listen, on. Listen, sometimes I say, that, but regardless, what you said, um really touched me and uh i'm very very happy to be able to talk to you right now uh without further ado i just wanted to get that out of the way we've got devin patterson from the mattoon illinois police department on here to uh basically hey we can talk about the video talk about why we got you here right now and you can go from there or you can just tell me i'm stupid and just start doing open <laughs> mic material i don't care dude. we got you here <laughs> 
Yeah, what's up, guys? What's up, man? Thanks for doing Nothing. this. Yeah, for sure. Um, I appreciate you guys. And, you know, obviously you guys watch my video. And I know it was the, uh, the, um, the last thing, if anything, last thing I wanted to get across to you guys is that I support you guys. And um, you guys have helped me a ton within the last uh, a few months as, as far as uh, even a mental health aspect. So I wanted to at least let you guys know and, and show you guys my support. So I appreciate you guys. Well, Thanks, we man. appreciate you, man, that and everything you guys do. Um, I know that if I ever get in trouble in Mattoon, Illinois, that I'm probably safe, right? I got immunity. Good. Is, is that immunity kind of like what Jeffrey Epstein had? Or is <laughs> oh, like, how shit. How oh. does that work? <laughs> uh, I just started watching that documentary, by the way. That's, that's some interesting stuff. Yeah, that's, that's why I, I was an ass yet. and brought it up. But yeah. no, man, we do appreciate your support, and you are a true working class bow hunter. And everything you said is just like it hit us real heavily, man. And it did for sure. I watched your video and I had to call you right away. And uh, it, it's kind of crazy how it all worked out. But um, so thank you for your support and thank you for what you do. Um, this is the first time we've done something like this and in, in kind of like a replacement of what our normal veteran shout out mm-hmm. is. And I think this is very fitting for the timing and the situation needs to have um, more often i think yeah maybe, maybe talk a little about a little bit about what you're doing what you do and and kind of the situation and maybe the little bit of the hard time that's going on if if, if you want to you don't have to do anything you, you yeah know. for sure um I, it's just like you guys said is the world right now is just it's crazy between you know covid and and everything that's going on you know politic wise and, and in the media with with police officers right now you know it's just it's kind of a a hard time for cops in America to be fired up about about going to work, and it's 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 terrible. I mean, um, this job—not to like look for pity or anything—but this job can can kick your ass anyway and, and beat you down. Um, stuff that we deal with. So the, the added stress that's been going on right now—I know it's probably affecting a lot of cops all over America. So. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons I, I, I reached out to you guys. So, very cool. One of the um, one of the talking points, uh, obviously, what's going on with in the world? Uh, it, it started with the George Floyd incident, and you in the video denounced. You're like the the guys who did that. They, they, you were like, "That's a murder." For a guy like you, who I I agree with. I mean, it's always a hot topic issue to have a cop on in this very hot climate, but you are very, I I could tell in the video that you are, you signed up to protect innocent people and you want to do everything that you can possibly to make this world better for people who don't give a shit about you. And it, it hurts me that a, a lot of people would just look at you and see that you have a badge and you're like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's just a blah, blah, piece of shit. He's just a cop. But, like, you you have a heart, and you express that to us. And I, I'd, I'd like for you to, you know, kind of express what you're feeling. And, and so and that's that, the thing. And, like, uh, yeah. a large, large, a large majority of, of officers out there in America are that way. But, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't see that side, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, here's a, here's a platform. Talk about it, brother. One guy has to ruin them for all. Well, and, and yeah. like I said, so um, first, I, I just wanted to say that, that the words that are going to come out of my mouth have nothing to do with my affiliation with my police department or my city. It's, um, is an individual. 
because um, unfortunately a lot of a lot of cops are, are speaking their minds and um, bad things are happening to them so this is me as an individual um, like you guys touched on um, and like I touched on in the, in the video it's with the George Floyd thing it's hard you know especially as a police officer um, with good intentions to even find the words as to what happened there I mean it 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 pisses us off and uh, I say us as in the good cops um, to no end whenever guys do that stuff um, it's hard to even consider him a police officer I, I don't want to and, and it's a good thing he's not anymore um, what he did was it was terrible so um, unfortunately though now we have the good cops the 90 some percent of cops that are like myself that, that signed up to do this to help help people out on a daily basis every day you know, um, they're, they have to justify why they're doing it and, and we're the bad guys. So, you know, it is what it is. And, and we knew that that a lot of us know that's going to happen signing up anyways, but whenever tragic stuff happens like this, it, it definitely doesn't help. So for sure. Yeah, man, that's gotta be tough, a tough thing to go with. Like one, one dude fucks up and makes everybody look like a shit bag. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the mm-hmm. case. And, um, but yeah, that that's got to be tough. That's a different level of stress than what a lot of just regular working class people yeah. have to deal with. Like, oh, shit. you know, I, I wanted to be a law enforcement officer when I was in high school, and I kind of just weighed things out, and it was something I just didn't end up doing. But I definitely respect you guys for doing what you do, putting up with the people you guys have to put up with, working the shifts you have to work up with, and getting the pay on top of all that of what you guys deal with. It's just <laughs> yeah, what I, pay? Yeah, right. So it's. I mean, I'm sure you know you make a decent living, but it's it, you get what I'm saying when I say that. For you know? sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you should be getting paid a lot more for the shit you guys do, right? Oh, and yeah. especially the shit you have to work with, the shifts you work, and the shitty people you have to deal with. And then they're yeah. not always <laughs> shitty people. When I say shitty people, I mean when you get a call, it's normally not a great situation. <laughs> it's not a great situation. <laughs> yeah. And I'll it's elaborate like, on that. I, I have a firm belief that. Uh, a lot, a, a huge majority of the people that we do deal with on on a daily basis are really good people. They're just at really shitty times of their lives, and that's a for good, whatever reason, good way to put you know, that. Yeah, and and they, they don't like dealing with us. This is you know, um, but they are a lot, a lot of times are shitty times in their lives. So make mistakes just like everybody else does, and you know some of those mistakes kind of stay with them longer than than our mistakes. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. See, that that right there exactly proves why you are in the right career path because mm-hmm. I just said what I said and you kind of correct me a little bit. But also, <laughs> yeah. but also I had been in the situation of dealing with cops of shitty times in my life where I was sure. like going through some stuff and like didn't uh, – I mean, obviously it didn't stick with me, how it should, but I had a different perspective, right? So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It, that right there just proved exactly why you're in the right career path, and we need more people mm-hmm. in your career path just like you that have that mindset. Absolutely, um, it's like if Johnny Utah, because Johnny Utah, he'll tell stories about guys that he, you know, perps he busted years ago. But he's like, ah, they're good people. It just, ah, I caught him. I, I am. I, I don't am, know if Johnny said said it like that no he's a, well I'm, I'm paraphrasing i'm not gonna go on the whole conversation but i'm <laughs> quoting john quote unquote. quoting john air quotes here <laughs> yeah quote unquote yeah, quote unquote paraphrasing look i want i, I want to know so what um what led you to reach out to us give me just one second guys yep 
Look at that. Man on the job. We won't listen to I don't think calls. we've ever had a guy that was actually working <laughs> while we were giving interviews. Oh, um, the cool thing about he's a canine officer as well, and he told us before we hopped on the phone, he's like, hey, man, if my dog starts making noise, I'll try to get him to quiet down, but I can't make any promises. I'm like, <laughs> throw him a couple of treats. I was like, dude, that'll add to it. That'll add Sparky. to it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. He's like, hey, he's got to search the car. I'm like, what's the chance that there's coke in it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I got a dog. <laughs> According to the dog, high chance. <laughs> that dog's barking. That's an eight ball, bro. <laughs> Alright, we're good. Two bars. Okay, cool. Two bars. <laughs> did, did you hear the uh, Did you hear the question I asked? Park twice. No, go, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all good. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I said some random dumb shit, and then the uh, good question I ask is uh, what What made you, <laughs> What made you decide that you wanted to reach out to us? So, I could probably go on a little bit longer than necessary, but long story short, um, you know, I got back into hunting, and, and a friend reached out to me, and. Um, I mean, I was fucking terrible, but anyways, he's like, Hey, have you ever listened to podcasts? And I'm like, no, the last thing I want to do is, is in my free time, listen to guys sit around and talk to each other. So I listened to a couple, I don't even remember who they were, but, um, kind of liked them and was learning a little bit and, um, eventually found my way to you guys. And it was like, damn, I could listen to these guys talk some more. So just kept going and going and then it's like um you know after i started listening to you guys a little bit it's like i i could maybe even look into doing that at some point you know i got a couple four or five friends that that uh hunt as well and it kind of it was kind of just like i saw myself in you guys i guess so I, I i feel like maybe i just related to you guys a lot and uh you know it was like episode after episode it was like i just can't i can't get enough um to learning from you guys so yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to reach out to you guys. I felt like you guys have an awesome platform, um, and you guys are, are just killing it right now. And, and maybe there's some some of your listeners that maybe could benefit from maybe something I have to say. I don't know. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It, you know, I think anybody that has that thought um, should try it. You know, try it on your iPhone. You know, you have that, like, voice memo app. Try, try sure. 15 minutes. By yourself, you know, and see if it's something you think you want to do. Do do 10, 15 minute short episodes and see if it's something you think about doing. Because you'll you'll right. feel so dumb at first. You oh, will. Yeah. But it is fun and it's something that you can do on, you know, evolve into your sound quality, you know. Um, sure. But it is cool. Like, it's neat to hear that, like, we might inspire someone to try and do what we're mm-hmm. doing. Because right, go for it. My perspective oh, is, sure. like, I was inspired to do something outdoor media-related from guys I looked to growing up, looked up to growing up, just like this podcast is with Mark Drury coming up, and he's one of my heroes, you know, from my yeah. childhood. So I get that. Not that, like, it's the same way you're looking at us. I'm not saying that, but it's you're inspired by something to make you want to do something similar. So it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I, I can just, you know, even see myself sitting around on – having a couple of beers and just shooting the shit and then recording it. It, it. It's just what you guys are doing is something I could see myself doing for sure. Definitely, man. Well, you know, if it all works out, you're not too terribly far. Maybe sometime during the season, come in for a podcast and we can talk about your adventure and learn how to hunt and all that. It'd be kind Drink of fun. a couple of beers and shoot the shit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely learning. Cause I, I'm, pretty terrible still so <laughs> but it hey, is so a learning process that, that's part of the that, i mean if it was easy like you guys have said before it wouldn't be fun so um you know striking out over and over again for some reason is fun yeah it's it's kind of like good for you right in a way 
Oh, for sure. It builds character. Yeah, but dude, I'm telling you, man, dude, once you hit the home run, yeah, damn. Once you double long <laughs> the buck you've been wanting to kill, you're, I mean, you're already hooked for life, right? Like you've already killed your first deer. You're into that. You're like you, you, you've wrapped your your head around what this can be. For sure. I mean, I can I can kind of get into like my past with with hunting and then how I got back into it. If if that's something you guys are interested in listening oh, yeah. to right now, yeah, of course, go for it. Yeah, go. So, um, grew up here. Born and raised in Mattoon, and um, ever since I was four years old, I've I, uh, been on a wrestling mat, so I wrestled. So um, the only reason I say that is it, it, it'll play into my hunting career in a little bit. But uh, I got into high school, and uh, my grandpa got me and my brother into uh, deer hunting. And, um, you know, it's it, not at any fault for him, but it, the hunting back then – that we were doing is completely different from what I've learned deer hunting is now. <laughs> so it was, you know, there's a ground blind that we kind of built up in the corner of that those woods over there, walk over there and I'll come get you in dark. So, um, you know, there just walk into the end of the woods, sitting there, hoping a deer runs by and that's it. And I, I, I killed a little basket rack buck back then. Um, that's about it. So, and then once wrestling season came around, which was, uh, first week of November, then, I mean, I was pretty well done because I had to go to school all day, um, practice at night, and then on the weekends I had tournaments. So, you know, my wrestling or my hunting season was over. So, um, I mean, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I spent all my damn money doing it, but I, I, I wouldn't say I was much of a hunter back then. So, um, I go to college, wrestle in college, keep telling myself that I'm going to have time to hunt. It just didn't happen. So I, I sold my bow, I sold all my stuff. And uh, fast forward a couple couple of years, moved back home, um, and got a coaching job at the high school here, uh, assistant coaching job for the wrestling team, and uh, started as a police officer here. And I had a, a buddy, Clint Lawrence, who he's a he's a hunter as well. He uh, he he talked about it all the time, and I'm like, dude, the last thing I want to do is spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go sit in a tree stand and freeze my ass off and hope an animal walks by me. Like, because I hadn't had that, those awesome experiences. I mean, I had good experiences, but not enough to, to bring me back at that point. Not so, an experience to make you hungry to keep <laughs> yeah, doing it. Sure. For sure. So, um, one thing I'm really terrible at is planning ahead. So, um, what was it? 2018, um, got, got right up to October and I realized that I had like a shitload of time to take off of work. Cause I just, I, I, I love coming to work. I didn't want to take time off. I just want to keep working, 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 um, just fast paced and getting towards the end of the year. And I'm like, I got all this time. I'm going to lose it if I don't use it. So, um, I put in all my time and it was like from the first week of October till like mid February, I'd worked like something like 12 days, something stupid. Damn. So, <laughs> hell yeah. Shit, like, dude, every year. Do that every year. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with all this time. I'm like, I might as well just go sit in a tree and freeze my ass off and hope a, an animal walks by, you know? So, um, and at that, around the same time, me and my girlfriend bought a house kind of out in the country a little bit. So I, you know, I'd, on my drive home, I'd see deer all the damn time. So, I was like, I'll do it. I went to a local bow shop, bought a bow, um, talked to a guy that, that runs like a heating company that 
lives right by me. Um, he owns a little strip of woods off the main main drag, um, main road, and he's like, yeah, go on. There's a stand there that's been there since before I was born. So, um, perfect. You yeah, climb up so in I it. Went, do what? And you climbed up in it. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Damn, they, they built the hell out of it. So yeah, I climb up in it. I have some really good. Uh, experiences with a with a mature buck but i mean i I didn't know what the hell i was doing so it it actually one of the first times i sat um it was coming up to the rut and which before this i didn't know what the hell a rut was but um long story short he comes in i mean head down grunting every damn step um and he he chases a doe right by me and i'm like i'm like he just, you know, he didn't give a damn what, he didn't even know I was there. I'm like, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> so, my experience is going, it's, it's just the most fun. So, but, I mean, I was hooked. And uh, even just seeing the deer. So, I mean, like I said, I had a shitload of time off, and uh, I spent about every day in the woods. And, uh, but I was like, you know, the, I, I saw those deer come in the woods over there. I was like, I kind of want to get over there, but I didn't really know how, so... I knew climbers were a thing, um, but the whole mobile hunting thing was a, a I had no idea it even existed. Because mm. um, I'm used to going to a ground blind sitting there until the, it gets dark and we go home. So um, I buy a climber off Facebook and I use it. I end up killing a, a yearling fawn that year. Um, threw it over my shoulder on the way out. Uh, <laughs> but but, I, but I, I succeeded. I, I had moved. I got a little mobile and I killed something. That's um, right, man. Hey, that's luck. all that matters, brother. Sure. And and so I knew I was really shitty. But it was my goal every time I stepped in the woods to learn something. So, and I was able to kind of do that. So, um, in between my first and second season, um, again, I talked to a buddy, Chase, and he was the one that talked about podcasts. And this was his first, that my second season would have been his first year getting into bow hunting yeah so he's like podcasts listen to them they're a good time i'm like that sounds fucking terrible but whatever I'll give it a try. <laughs> no sounds that, that's so, like the quote of our show of all time like that sounds fucking terrible <laughs> bunch of drunks right? talking to mike you're right it does sound terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, wrong. Um, like i said earlier you know i kind of i kind of listened to a couple and then um then i learned about the mobile hunting thing i'm like man this is kind of something that i thought about in my head but i didn't know it really existed and that led me to i looked back at it today i think it was episode five of the dequisto series that you guys have yeah and that was the first that was the first podcast i listened to you guys and i'm like shit i could listen to these guys more and then it's been every episode since so you know um but hell that i had to back up a little bit i didn't listen to that episode until probably halfway through this past season the 2019 uh, season. Yeah. So I was still rocking the climber, not feeling confident in the climber, but I was there. Um, and, uh, that buck I talked about, I had more interactions with him and he ended up dying in a pond once, long story short. So I, did, I didn't get him. Um, but I, I obsessed over that deer. It was crazy. I didn't know I could do such a thing. So <laughs> I, mean, I, had dreams, I, had, I had dreams about it. It was, it was nuts. I never thought in my life I'd, I'd do that. So, but yeah, learn the the whole mobile thing, and um, just through your guys' podcast mainly. I mean, just the the information that I've learned. Um, was able to get mobile and bought a stand and the sticks and learned how to the wrong way how to mount 
them onto the tree and and everything like that. And uh, put those yeah, the right up, way. Hey, I see how many times he's hung up a mobile stand. <laughs> hey, brother, yeah. you're on the right path, brother. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Hey, you're, you're yeah. doing good. Right. So, um, but I saw progress. I mean, I was getting into to like doe herds and and they would smell me because my scent control is still terrible but they couldn't see me because i was i was setting up better because of what i learned through you guys listening to you guys and it was cool i ended up smacking a pretty big doe um so still haven't got anything with antlers but time will come um absolutely yeah just just uh getting mobile and and learning how to really hunt and that's what really has locked me in i mean um like i told you guys in the video like shed hunting i didn't know that was a thing um, really, and I went out, didn't find shit. I found a couple of dead heads and a couple of small ones, but I mean, summer scouting, like stuff that I had no idea. I, I just thought it was October one rolls around. You go sit in the woods and hope a deer runs by you. And once season's over, you wait for October 1st again. And, and so now that I, I've learned through listening to you guys that that's uh, like the worst way to ever think about hunting, then like, yeah, I'm, I'm locked in. So very cool, man. It's cool to hear. Awesome. It's cool to hear that. And I think our listeners appreciate that level because uh, a lot of our listeners are on that level and there's nothing wrong with being. Yeah. At least at you're point. there thinking about it. Right. Oh like, yeah. You know, you, yeah, like you got to learn every time I go in. Yeah. You're learning. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, so um, we've all been in your shoes, man. Dude, you got to start somewhere. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Steve so, basically now, lives now in your like shoes. A, yeah, I make right. less money. You, yeah, <laughs> the, the mature doe you killed is probably bigger than he's killed yet. Fucking right. That, it was a, it was the biggest one. I made sure to pick her out of the, the group. So Hell yeah, bro. Like I, I, you know, I was also I didn't know how to freaking I didn't know how to gut a deer. I didn't know any of that stuff. So um, the fawn that I shot the year before, my brother came out and helped me. Uh, he's he's a carpenter. He's he, he's been building shit from like age five and I didn't get that. My, my dad's a carpenter. They did all that. Like that's the last thing I can do. I'm not trying to screw any holes into my house or anything. Cause I don't know what the <laughs> hell. So my girlfriend gets on me the phone cause she's like, I, I need this. Soft like, I got to put a hole through a wall like this. It's not good. So it's too much. Yeah, but hey, tell that your girlfriend, dangerous. I'm a she metal worker, bro. Yeah. Well, here, here's so. the thing, man. You got to get, you get, once you start getting better at uh, deer hunting, you got to know how to put, Holes and walls to hang deer heads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, dude, I might try like um, sticky shit. With, you know, <laughs> sticky 3M tape. <laughs> 3M tape. Dude, he's opening <laughs> shooting Velcro button shit. bugs with no racks. <laughs> It'll hold eight pounds. <laughs> yeah, but if you put twenty of them on there, that's like uh, whatever that is. That's yeah. funny as well. Hey, think about it. Four pounds. No, but so he helped me out, um, and then. You know, I, I'm just trying to run myself around the whole, like everything. So the doe I, that I shot this year, um, you know, I, I figured it out watching YouTube videos, learned by screwing up, but I did it. Um, butchered her up, you know, me and my brother did it together. And uh, so it, it's kind of like the, it, every single thing about hunting has now got me wrapped up. It's not just going out and sitting in a tree. Hey, man, uh, talk Very to me. Cool. Talk to me about that that experience of uh, you and your brother cut of the doe that you shot. Uh, was it uh, was it one of those things that obviously wrapping unwrapping Christmas presents with your brother is one thing, but you and your brother 
cleaning a dough or cleaning some meat that you you and you know your girlfriend who I need to know her contact info just say hi <laughs> I'm just fucking with you just say what's I'll, up I'll get that after the end of this <laughs> yeah just say what's up but like talk talk to us about that experience of you know you you went through the typical American childhood to now hey clean a deer with your brother like what is that been like and how was that experience just assumed his childhood I don't have a brother bro I want to live vicariously through somebody Shit. they're not that great I'm just kidding <laughs> I don't have a brother but I can vouch my ears I was joking I was joking no no that brother growing up yeah growing up me and my brother uh, we're, we're two years apart he's older than me um, you know but we come from the definition of working class. My dad worked his ass off and we didn't have a pot to piss in. Um, but so my brother was always outside working on stuff and I was the opposite. I was the quiet one. I was inside playing video games. I really wish I could go turn back time and kind of get out a little bit, but it is what it is. So he was always trying to get me outside. So we, we've always had a good relationship. Um, but we were, we were just kind of into different things. And, um, he was in a, he was in a bow hunting back when we were in high school, pretty heavy. And then he kind of got out of it here as a more recent. Um, he's, he started a family and, um, he's got that. He got, he, he does a lot of waterfowl stuff. So, um, yeah. But I'm <laughs> on, so, with you guys. so we've never had, we never had a bad relationship. I mean, we thought like brothers do back in the day, but, um, I, and I, I just want to throw it out there. I beat him one time, threw him against some uh, some centers. He knows what I'm talking about. It's great. So <laughs> great. I'll be listening. Hey, yell him no. <laughs> hey, oh, you yeah. wolf did that in RuneScape too. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I never got into that. House. Anyways, so anyways, um, you know, it, we never had a bad relationship, but it, it, we weren't super, super, super close. It wasn't like we talked every day. So, um, you know, now that once I got back in, I don't like, dude, you need to. You get back into it, and he's like, "Yeah." So, you know, it's kind of brought us together. Um, I think this year he's going to buy a bow. I got this uh, this kind of hunting competition that I kind of am starting. That I think he's going to get into, and uh, you know, especially during or during uh, hunting season, um, we talk just about every day. So, um, it's really strengthened our relationship as brothers um, just by getting getting back into hunting. That's very cool, man. That's that. That's a beautiful thing about hunting. It pulls uh, families and friendships together. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. um, it kind of like it, I don't. I really can't really. Explain. I mean, honestly, if we weren't into hunting, we probably wouldn't know each other in this room right here. I wouldn't know why. When I met Eric, if we didn't hunt, why would I have any reason to talk to you? We wouldn't. That's how we got <laughs> we were, into talking. We were drinking beer, right? And that's one thing. Well, but. Beer brings a lot. Of, yeah, but like it was <laughs> yeah, no shit. Beer did get us talking. Yeah, but, but um, but hunting continued it. You right. know. Right. Yeah, uh, me and Eric sure. used to hang out. I was just drinking beer. That's now it was. Now it's when just, hunting came along, it was just I was drinking beer and hunting. Two peas in a pot. Wait, why in the hell yeah, do you guys it's... talk to me? That's a good <laughs> fucking question. It's kind of like we're stuck with you, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the, like, you know, like the two peas in a pot. You lift that third pot that shouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what, uh, was it on, uh, on the first Fast and Furious movie where the... Little white dude showed up and he just never, never left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's you. Yeah, I'm the little white like that. dude that never showed up and never left. All right, I'll, I'll take it. Exactly, exactly. That's cool, man. Hearing kind of like the background and all that, how you built into it, and um, it'd be kind of cool, man. We should try and plan like a follow up during the season and see where you're at. See if you got the same positive mindsets because hunting season can beat you down, but it's good for you. 
oh, as yeah. a hunter, but you're no, it, it, for sure. That that's one thing as I'm super hard headed. So um, that's good. I mean, you can even look at it. Proof is my college uh, college wrestling record. Man, I, I was terrible, but I never quit. <laughs> so yeah. I never had a winning season. So I just got my ass kicked all the time. But yeah, I wasn't about to give up. So. Well, right. you got the mindset for it, man. I, I truly think you're going to kill the buck you want to kill this year. I think you're going into it right, and uh, we do appreciate the hell out of you. We appreciate the support, and we appreciate what you do for a living for the community. Absolutely. And uh, just having that right mindset, man, it means yeah. a lot. And also just reaching out in general. Yeah, and and like to, and to kind of wrap this up, I guess, you know, the reason that uh, I wanted to show you guys my support was it, on a mental health aspect. Um you know, like like we talked about at the very beginning, this job can kick the shit out of you. And then this crazy year, and some tragic events have happened this year for me. And so it, it's been a it's been a huge struggle this year. So it's nice to um, have rekindled my my love for hunting because that's my escape from the world. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit that like I'm addicted to my phone way too much, especially whenever every other day there's more about COVID and you know riots and and officers getting you know mm-hmm. shit cans and it, it can be addicting and it's like now i've done so much summer scouting that like it, and i love it because as soon as my feet hit the timber like i'd never look at my phone unless i pull out onyx to mark a spot or whatever but it's like I, i'm by myself i'm i'm away from all that bullshit the reset button and, man yeah it is and that's my middle you know that's that's what keeps me level-headed so yeah and to to wrap it all up, I mean that you know I've learned so much from you guys that you know that's that's why I, I decided to reach out to you guys and do this. Hey, uh, dude, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm gonna speak for everybody here, all four members. Careful, I'm, I'm glad you're. Uh, <laughs> we just don't trust you. That's <laughs> the thing. I'm, just, I'm, I'm talking shit, but like uh, from the bottom, this is Steve. From the bottom of my heart, <laughs> who else is it going to be? <laughs> I'm just like, wanna, wanna break you out it's still pack. real to me, damn it's it. It's still real to me, damn it. No, I was going to go down for us, I think. No, uh, it really means the world to me when you sent that video and I was watching. And I was like, dude, this is a guy who you have good intentions in your heart and you felt like, hey, man. He's uh, trying to get sentimental with you. You feel that? What you feel it, man. All right, pour more lube on it so I can <laughs> easy. I feel like if I had a couple beers in me, I might be tearing up a little bit. All right, all right. Well, you're sober. All right, so I will ask you. <laughs> I will ask you the one question. You never had that, a couple uh, beers with Steve. That's yeah. You never had a couple beers with Steve. Dude, I give you the Joe Biden fucking massage where I <laughs> start breathing on people. You <laughs> start breathing on your neck. Like, how's that COVID, bitch? Um, all right. What? All what right. Just happened from what an amateur wrestling background. It's a fucking. It, it's a whole thing. Uh, Jk. Lol. Who is a better amateur wrestler? All right. Dan Gable or Kurt Angle? Oh, Dan Gable. You're out of your fucking mind. No way. So let's say that. Did Dan Gable right, win a gold medal? Right, it's, it's, it's a wrestling. We're not doing it's, this. it's a wrestling thing. We're not. We just. This was great. The segment was I thought, great. Yeah, I thought you had something sentimental there. Yeah. Just, I know. Yeah, I, I, I got sentimental so I could bring up this dumb shit. Point. And what I want to say <laughs> hey, is nothing, nothing about nothing against Kurt, but Dan is a legend. I mean, Dan Gable is a fucking few, legend, dude. There, there's very few that are that level. I mean, you think of wrestling, you think Dan Gable for sure. 
Hey, when you when you come up to the Quad Cities, we'll go up to Waterloo and we'll go to the uh, Dan Gable. Waterloo's like two and a half uh, hours away. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's when it, that's when you drive three and a half hours, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll half go up to the Dan Gable uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame. Hey, Steve. Oh. It's very legendary. Cool story, bro. Okay. Cool Steve, story. you're done. You're done. <laughs> Thank you, man, for, for doing this thing on pretty much last second, really. Um, yeah, for sure. It, it's... A, a different segment for us um, at the time, but kind of like a necessary yeah, segment. Absolutely. Um, so, man, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate all the support. We wish you the best of luck this fall. And reach out anytime, man. Anytime you need yep, something or yep. just want to chat, just reach yeah, out. Yeah, good us. feeling. You're gonna kill something for sure. And, and, and you guys as well, man. Don't don't be afraid to to reach out. Don't be a stranger. So. Hey, can we name drop you if we get like in trouble or something? You know. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna drive through Matoon at 150 mile an hour. You got me. <laughs> I would rather you do that than name drop. That's a, that's a little sketch. <laughs> I'm I'm only kidding, but uh, no, but I don't real. even know where it is. <laughs> Doug's got a feeling. If you, if you get a pinch, give me a call. We'll see if I can pull some. <laughs> hey, Doug. Doug's got a got a feeling. What are you feeling, Doug? I don't know. Mustache is tingling. I think I think you might oh. kill something this year with oh, antlers. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Is that the first mustache prediction of 2020? <laughs> that was the yeah. very I, first I, one. I hate to do it, but it is what it is. It came it to you. It came to you. It is. All right. God damn. All right. prediction. There it is. Thank you so much, sir, man. We appreciate you. Right, thank you, guys. All Thanks, right, man. guys. Different segment, but you got to do it. All right. Call good. I'm Chase Ralston with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the working class bow hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. Hey, this is Jules McQueen, and you are listening to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. It's really, really not that good. Good, 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 it's time for a splendid episode of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are right here at 30 Rackway, beautiful Bucketorium, lovely New Windsor, Illinois. I'm Steve. There's Doug, Eric, Kurt. What's up? What's up? Yep. Guys, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get right into it. We have one of all of our personal heroes uh, on the phone. I don't know why he answers every time we call him, but uh, we do have him. He's the legend, and we're going to talk some awesome summer Summer scouting. We're just going to go with it, actually. We don't really have an agenda, but the legend, my second favorite jury, Mark Jury. Mark, how you doing? <laughs> second behind Taylor, no doubt. <laughs> yes. No, no, it's Austin. Uh, Austin took yeah. your guys' last name, I'm assuming, right? I told him he was going to. It's the one time I've seen Austin really pissed off at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Austin, you really ought to consider going by Austin Drury Land, and he didn't like that at all. <laughs> he really needs to. That's real ownership right there. He's <laughs> well, Mark, yeah. thank you thank so you much for coming on the podcast, man. We appreciate it. Was, 
when my name's on the title of the farm, then then I'll do that. <laughs> oh man. dang, he's wheeling and dealing. Wow. Yeah, my pleasure. I love doing this stuff with you guys. You're 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 the best. I really enjoy it. My favorite podcast. Thank you, man. That means a ton coming from you. It Thank really you. does. We were just talking before we started recording um, about the wildlife eye, and that kind of brought me back a little bit. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago where I felt like I was pretty young in the game. But my, I was telling you that my, my dad and I was always always watch your guys' videos and freak out about how cool the wildlife eye is and how bad we wanted one. And it, it's just kind of neat because you guys were the first guys to hit the video trail cam scene i guess in a way oh and it fit us because we were doing dvds and videos and stuff and i mean when when i first saw that prototype and put it out and saw these deer in living color it's like oh i got you man i'm in your bedroom now you know it was just <laughs> so cool it's one thing to see a picture but to see ir at night giants walking by i mean it's just i still have a platform on the farm i always left it there we did we quit putting wildlife eyes out but i still drive by it all the time on the tractor and it brings back good memories tad was just texting me a couple days ago or just a few days ago he goes man i just i'm cleaning out a shed and i found some old wildlife eyes do you still have some and i said yeah i got about five or six so i'm gonna hang on to them just for sentimental value but they they were ahead of their time if you will um and they, they were a really cool tool they were just big and ended up pretty expensive by the time you got into them but they they work pretty dang well really so, I, go ahead, Steve. Was that the uh, in, in the past like tw- 15, 20 years? Was that one of your guys' main tools that when all of a sudden you can get video and kind of see where they're going, seeing how how deer react at night? Was that game changing or what, not only what at night, the, all the time? Or, and all, yeah, all the time too, but especially at night with a with a IR. What? Because I'm I'm so curious. I always hear about these, and this came after my time. But the more I look into them, the more I'm like, this had to be just game changing at the time. It was it crazy. Was- because we had HD stuff at night with IRs. I mean, it was it was pretty dang revolutionary back then. I mean, we sold quite a few of them, even as expensive and as bulky as they were, because it was video instead of a flash picture, right? You know? Um, so, and this is going back a while. I'm going to say this was like 07-ish, 08. Uh, I can't exactly get the exact date, but I'm going to say it was right through there. Um, and boy, did they ever lay down a, a really cool video signal. And it, it was revolutionary for us in the sense that we could blend it right into our shows. And it was an edit. It wasn't, you know, a B-roll of a picture. It was like live video, you know. And, yeah. and the next thing is, you know, hopefully one of us countering that buck or, or missing him or killing him or whatever. So it was it was revolutionary from that standpoint. Uh, it was pretty cool. So I get you asking about them. I don't I don't get wildlife five very often. I <laughs> Well, I, I will say I think I probably have – I mean, I watched those DVDs on repeat when I was a kid. I don't oh, yeah. know how much. I mean, I have a library of your guys' videos and stuff like that. So it was just – everything you guys were rocking, I wanted to do it too, you know. So it, it's kind of – it's honestly pretty crazy to just have you on the podcast. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago when we podcasted Iowa Classic, I probably – kissed your ass and told you all that stuff at the time but i'm gonna do it again because it's true <laughs> not gonna say you, not gonna say why, you weren't <laughs> why do you think i came back on <laughs> it worked. this weekly man <laughs> yeah. dude man I, I, quarantine has hit a lot of people hard even mark's reaching out for attention from us <laughs> you guys want a podcast <laughs> You know who it hit the hardest are these freaking country music stars. Those poor guys. I mean, oh, they just yeah. ripped, ripped the rug right out from under those guys. You know, I was like, I was texting Gary the other day, and I was like, so 
this fall, he writes he writes back immediately. He goes, "I'm available." <laughs> <laughs> like, you name it, I'll be there. They can't they can't do anything, you know. I mean, they're just they're just sitting there at home writing music and doing lives on Facebook. I mean, how awful would that be? You know, just awful. Well, that it's just like the pay cut. Like, you, I oh, mean, yeah. for us, it was a pay cut. We didn't do any trade shows, and that's where we make a lot of our mm-hmm. money on merch sales and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, I can feel, it. especially when you're used to living. Everyone's probably like, "Well, they make enough money as it is anyway." But well, when that's what you get paid, and all yeah. of a sudden you're not getting paid that, it sucks. No matter how much it is, right? Right, but it goes along with the overhead, right? I mean, yep. you know, to do those shows, you have an X amount of overhead that you have going into the show. So you have to sell X amount to make any money. They're the same way. I mean, to put all those stages up and spend that kind of money, I mean, it's it's the same difference. So it trickles down, you know, yep. band members and bus drivers and truck drivers and audio guys of, and all well, that. Yep, there's a lot of people in that industry that are, that are hurting because of, of this stupid ass thing so uh, <laughs> speaking of viruses yeah what the, hey what do you what do you think's more uh more lethal ehd or covid19 right oh ehd's <laughs> a lot more lethal than freaking covid19 yeah i mean there's there's a death rate that's associated with with ehd that's I, I would hate to guess how many die that actually get it you know there's a, a certain form of it they'll get it and they just get real sick and they end up looking kind of crappy the rest of their life because they, they never quite recover from it and then there's others that you know they die right away but i, I bet at least 50 or 60 percent die that get it i no think no kidding um seems like the ones that get get it bad yeah so that's a topic we get asked a lot about, you know, cover chronic wasting or EHD and or like, you know, this whole disease thing. And I don't know enough about it. It seems like some of the information is kind of wishy-washy out there. And I guess I haven't dove too deep into it because I don't know what to believe. I don't know if I can find a truly credible source. Um, but really what it boils down to, no matter like what the facts are, people experience it. And I know you've experienced it and you probably have probably more experience than you care to have with it. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to touch on this. We don't have to go too heavy into it, but I, do you, what is the difference if you know between chronic wasting and EHD, and what do you, how do you see it affect your herd? Like in what way? So I'll give you my blue collar interpretation of of both. There is an extreme difference. Um, CWD is chronic wasting disease. It's a prion based disease that gets in the deer's uh, system. It's passed deer to deer. Uh, I do believe it affects their brain, and they say it's 100% fatal. That's the thing with CWD. It's 100% fatal when they get it. Um, However, there's a lot of conflicting science out there, and and it really depends on who you're talking to at the time as to their interpretation of it. And I always ask, how many CWD deer have you found dead? Because generally when you find a deer dead at a pond or a river or whatever, it's generally an EHD deer. And, um, you know, no one ever says, oh, I, I sent tissue in and they claimed it was CWD or the test came back at CWD. So that's where CWD leaves me scratching my head. And it seems like the deeper they test for it, the more cases they find. So it really makes me wonder, is there some immunity out there in the animals that the scientific community just hasn't put their finger on yet? Or is it truly 100% fatal? Because you would think that <clears throat> if it was 100% fatal, we would be seeing our herd deplete at a faster rate than it is. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to throw, you know, like conspiracy theories out there because a lot of the guys will do that. I truly don't know. And, and I've talked to a lot of people in the scientific world that enough to th- – 
to have confidence that I'm not so sure that they know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. I really do believe it's a bad disease and I, I believe it's probably killing some animals, but I wish there was more information out there about what the actual decline in the population is in certain areas. Cause if you look at say Wisconsin, where I think it was probably CWD capital, probably even 15 years ago, you know, there's still thriving populations in a lot of those areas where the prevalence rate was quite high. So, you know, I, I don't know what side of the fence I fall. One day I'll wake up and I'm on the scientific side and go, we really need to thin the herd out in order to stop the spread of this deadly disease. Mm-hmm. And the next day I wake up and I go, you know what? I think it's going to be what it's going to be and we need to let this play out a little bit. So I, I don't know where I, I land uh, in all honesty. So that's my blue collar on it. Uh, I'll also tell you that EHD, epizootic hemorrhagic disease, is I think much more uh, prevalent across the landscape and kills far, far greater amount of deer than CWD. Um, but it's it's a, a virus that is carried by a midge fly. It's especially uh, prevalent in droughty years because you see so many deer in and around a water source. At that water source, there's exposed mud, whether that's a pond or a stream or whatever it is, and you get these midge hatches in and around these muddy holes. The bugs are right there around the water, and then all of a sudden everything's coming to the water, so it increases the prevalence in which it it affects the herd. Uh, There's always some EHD each and every year. Uh, How much, I think, varies on how much rainfall you get, and that can vary from a very wet spring with a lot of puddles followed by a dry summer to me seems to be the years that we get it the worst. So there's water everywhere, every puddle's full. And then as you go dry in the summer, sometime around August, September, and October, if you're still quite dry, particularly in a La Nina year, like we're in right now, um, you can see pretty high death rates. I've had years where I felt like I lost 60, 70% of the deer herd. And it, it often affects bucks more than it does does because the bucks are traveling in bachelor groups that time of the year mm. when it's so hard. And the does are often off with two fawns, right? You don't see big groups of, of de- does getting hit at one time. So I think they're more spread out across the landscape. So therefore, it doesn't hit them as, as hard. Whereas the bucks, you know, they're all at the, they're all at the bar. Right. <laughs> <They're> right. Exactly. <laughs> wow, no kidding. So, get a local water in We hole, definitely you know all get I mean? it right now. But, yeah. it, but it definitely varies. And I will say this. It, it's very pockety when it hits. I mean, you can see one county just get its butt wiped out. Here last year to my north and east, east and Lucas, and then north in Warren County, I mean, there were areas with 70, 80, 90% die-offs. And we're just, you know, 10, 15 miles away from that. And we had like a 25, 35% die-off. So it's it's very pockety. And I, I don't know exactly why it's quite so pockety, but, but it is. So you just don't want to be in that bad pocket. I was in it in 12 and 13 when it was so widespread. We started finding them in dead in June. And, I mean, they were dead all the way. We were still finding them in March, you know. Uh, because there's two different types of EHD. One's chronic, one's acute. One of them kills them right away, and another one just makes them real sick. They get secondary infections, you know, in their livers and lungs and throughout their body, and and they die later on in the winter because they're real, real uh, weak or whatever. Weak going in the winter. So wow. that's one of the reasons I I uh, feed analogics quite a bit in the summer because I mean they've just about got it 
uh, nipped in the bud with that EHD. I mean, there's enough pathogen stuff and enough protection in there. They've also got a, a garlic component in there as well to help help keep the deer a little bit more bug free. That's one of the reasons I, I feed Analogic Supplement Gold. Number one, it's incredible for camera surveys. Like, I've never seen deer eat anything like they eat that stuff. Uh, but it also gives them an extra protection. And, I mean, I, I've seen some really bad years around the neighborhood, and then my deer herd looks pretty good. So no I really I believe in that stuff. You're not going to save them all, but you're giving them a fighting chance, right? Right, you know? right, for sure. And I wish, so anyway, uh, El, you know, we're in El, our, well, I'm the only Illinois boy in the studio, but yeah. the studio is in Illinois, so hate on as much as you want in here, fellas. <laughs> it is what it is. It is um, but I wish we could do supplemental feed in Illinois, and, you right. know, there's that there's that argument there's the theories on it makes it worse but or it helps you know i'm on the fence with you mark i think it you're better off supplemental feeding these animals rather than not Um, well you got to be smart how you do it right they say well don't put them all in one spot well then don't put the feed in one spot right spread it out like so i'll put it in a a feed wagon and just put a real thin line and go go down a ridge road or go down a a field road and it it keeps them separated it's no different than if they're out there feeding in the bean field if the feed spread out are going to be spread out. They don't like being around each other. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good. I don't, that's like, a pro eat, tip. I don't like eating around Steve. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> there ain't no food left when you're around me, buddy. <laughs> that's interesting. I like your your blue collar breakdown of all that, Mark. Because I think if we were to talk to a scientist, yeah, there might be some facts, but it'd be a lot of shit that a lot of our wage brain listeners and we're right in that category that we just would it wouldn't it wouldn't really like bury into our brains yeah. where we can understand mm-hmm. that. I think the way you just explained that was perfect. That is exactly what I was looking for when I brought that up. Um, I I experienced well. Property I hunted in Fulton County, Illinois, had it real bad one year, and we noticed that we saw a lot of young fawns and young does like solo that year, and we didn't see a lot of mature animals at all. Um, we found. One of the guys we hunted with, this is kind of crazy, um, just randomly, he had a helicopter that he fl- he was from Chicago area, and he would fly into this property, and he found I don't know how many deer dead just from flying his helicopter flying in and out, and he called the DNR. It got to the point where the DNR officer was just like, hey, at this point, just grab him. Like, I don't need to come out anymore Jeez. for this. It's just, it's that bad. Um, but it took, I mean, several years. I mean, what it takes three years to to kill what most people consider a big buck or five years for what a lot of people consider a mature buck so it was a tough recovery on that Mm -hmm. we don't hunt that property anymore but that's really the the most intense experience i've ever had with it and i was pretty young and didn't really know like what to think about it at the time well it it sucks whenever it hits but there is a silver lining to ehd i will say this Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, the herd has a natural ability to bounce back after it hits. It's as if they know they've got to bounce back, right? And I've seen the herd come back so strong. Those deer that survived that didn't get it because they just by chance didn't get bit by the, the you know the wrong midge, um, or they got bit by the right midge, whichever one, whichever way you want to look at it. Like those bucks, when they reached maturity, if they reach maturity, they are giants, and I think they come out with so much less social stress they grow up alone and i really think the biggest influence on on antler development here in the midwest is social stress when there's too many bass in the pond they all end up the same damn size when you in the landscape they all end up looking the same when you have very few 
man, I've killed the biggest deer of my life. The four biggest deer I've killed in my life have been about three or four or five years following major EHD outbreaks. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence. No kidding. That is super interesting. Um, cause I had, I hunted a property that had a lot of deer. Um, used to hunt a property that had a lot of deer. I noticed that like my biggest bucks were all like 140, 150. I never had anything over that. I wonder if that has something to play with that. The social, would you, would you call it social pressure? Social stress. Social right? stress. And I always, the, the best example is bass in a pond. That you is go to a, a great example. Pond, there's too many bass in there. Every single cast, same size fish, yep. right? And, and the same thing goes on in the landscape with white-tailed deer. When they're seeing each other and fighting and bird up all day long, it stresses them out. Imagine if you lived in New York City. You know, I mean, it would be, you would drive you crazy. You'd be, a, it's why everybody's, you know, crabby up there. No offense to all the listeners in New York City, but yeah. I, I, I'm just saying, if you, if you endure the public every day and you're just constantly getting bombarded, it would stress you out, right? Whereas yeah. if you look a private life alone and see who you want when you want you're probably going to be a little bit more relaxed i mean look at look at a rural lifestyle as opposed to a city lifestyle it's two different paces and i, I think the same is is true for for white-tailed deer if you reduce social stress it's one of the reasons why if ehd is not taking care of them we need to and we need to make sure we keep that herd in check that's why you see us shooting so many does each year oh and man i love that that i've that we've never perspective right we there. have never covered that in 380 episodes, that is wild. no one has brought that, that I can remember, brought that perspective uh, up. That is so damn interesting. And that goes back, like watching your guys' videos turned me into a doe killer. Like I shoot a lot of does, and I pride myself on shooting a lot of does. Once it's, one, it's great practice for when you have a buck come out. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Social stress, you eliminate the does, and, man, I, I just never had anyone perspective for you. Don't yeah, I've it? never had anyone break it down like that. It's it's why I don't do feeders. I can do them here in Iowa, but I don't. I don't want them all in the same place. When I feed, I look at the forecast. If I got dry ten days, I'll go put a line analogics out. They'll clean it up in days, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I got rain in the forecast, I don't want to get wet and that type of stuff. So I'm careful about that. But I don't want them all going to a spot. You know, I don't want them all going to the same feeder. The last thing you want to do is put a bunch of mature bucks in the same spot or, or a bunch of deer in general. Keep them spread out, you know, and uh, reduce that social stress. Man, that's a pro tip. That's a good, good pro tip. Hey, Doug, we talked about this in the pre-intro. You might want to take some notes on there, brother, how you're setting out your supplemental feed. Doug's writing yeah. this down. I'm going like, to be whacking some does this year. <laughs> yeah, Doug, we, Doug did talk about that before. You're wanting to shoot five does off your property. At least. At least, yeah. Shooting does is fun, man. I shot two in a row last year i didn't sh i didn't really shoot anymore after that but um it's great practice and god damn it's fun yeah. and they taste good <laughs> hey so let me <laughs> damn it's fun so so mark let me i just want to uh figure out another strategy of how you're keeping all your you know bucks separate is there, are there any other ways that you go about it i mean i know we've talked to a lot of guys that talk about how they can funnel deer with you know planting like green screen things like that but are you just inviting people to come shoot, you know, dinks off your uh, property? Uh, I might know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Spikes. Dude, I'll come shoot button bucks. So you're talking about uh, a deer that we feel is four or older and yet not 
overly desirable. I guess you're talking about like what most people call a management buck or a call. Sure, we- sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> Steve's your coal guy. Yeah, Steve's just your typical Democrat looking for a handout. That's right. No, I'm just I, I'm, I, I was I was half joking, but I'm actually half serious. Like, I are there any strategies that you do? I mean, do you intentionally run run fence lines? Um, or do you try to plant trees in different, uh, is there an actual strategy to that? It, well, it, you know, the, the thing that I like to do, so I, I think I know what your question is, but the thing I like to do in terms of like giving them security and privacy, if you will, so they don't see each other as often, like I plant a, and, and I'm really doing it to ha- enhance the cover on the farm. So deer make their livings at about, you know, four or five feet and below. And if you've got a bunch of, you know, really mature hardwoods that are you know 50 feet in the air that's not doing the deer much good until there's an acorn dropping on the ground so we do a lot of tsi and in my open areas i plant a lot of warm season grasses so i want everything as they go across the landscape to be beneficial from about your chest down that's where i I want things i want the cover from my chest to the ground i don't want the cover way up in the air so a lot of tsi a lot of tall grasses wow that's a good tip as well um, something I want to get to. So I want to ask you a question. It's kind of, kind of going to come out of left field a little bit before we roll on to like the next topic I want to jump into. And I've noticed this like with the trend through social media and kind of like the new surge of hunting content, whether it's content, whether it's podcasts or, or online hunting videos or whatever it is, um, the public land thing. And, I notice a lot of people like to discredit some of the guys that I consider to be the OGs of, of hunting. Um, the Drury's, like the Waddell's, the, the Primo's boys, the Kiskies, the, the Kiskies, you know, like we all know who I'm talking about. If you grew up in the hunting game, and I think a lot of people discredit, I don't know if discredit's the right word. I feel like there's a lack of respect to a point when it comes to the public ground because I see people talking about, um, whether or not how you guys would do, and I say you guys being like the, the OGs of the industry, how you guys would do on like average ground or public land. To me, I look at those things and like people would doubt that you would do well because you guys have, have earned, like earned your way to a good managed farm and earned your way to where you're at. Like you guys have put the time in, you've done the work, you've done what everybody's striving to do, but then people will discredit you in the same sentence or comment on social saying, I don't know how they would do on public or I don't know how they would do here where my outlook is you're talking about guys that live whitetails and live (laughs) pattering whitetails. Like you guys could a whitetail anywhere is a whitetail. You guys are going to figure it out. You guys are the best in the biz. And I just wanted to hear kind of your thought on that or if, like, you see that stuff online or just your comment on it in general. Well, we're, we're completing, you know, the high feds all the way around all of our properties. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the works. So, well, no, I mean, I think it's, it's, the number, it's the number one comment we get. Uh, Deer Farm High Fence Hunter. And Terry had the best quote ever in response to that one day he goes hell our low fences aren't even very good (laughs) you know we don't we don't run cattle we don't tender our fences we're not doing a good job with that regardless if it's private or you know i've got parcels that i used to always want this giant farm right i wanted a big farm and i wanted these deer on that farm and i wanted to control them and and shoot them when i wanted to well what i learned through time was those damn things don't stay home they're not very loyal they come and go and 
And through time, I have shifted my strategy to where I don't own a large farm. I've still got decent-sized tracks, but I'm into these little 40s, these little 80s, you know, satellite farms, I call them. And mostly I do that because I want some diversification between what I own so that if EHD comes through, I may still have a pocket that didn't get hit. It goes back to my comment about how pockety it is. So that's one of the main reasons I do it. But I quit trying to build up a big farm, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell this and buy some of these little farms maybe 40, 50 miles apart. Still in Iowa, still able to get to them from a logistics standpoint to put in plots and all that stuff. But that's what I do now. But with that comes a new set of neighbors guys on the fence line once they find out it's ours it draws attention so <laughs> our get pressured like we're not hunting deer that aren't getting pressured um i'm not on public but i grew up i cut my teeth on hunting public land deer my first few deer that i killed and i were on public ground first turkey still hunt turkeys on public every year all over the place mm-hmm. uh, i don't hunt deer on public right now as much uh, but I did, but it's only because, to your point, I've built up and I've got enough land to go to that that I hunt on my own. But a lot of these parcels are little bitty buggers, man. I got a 41-acre farm in Missouri that we killed two real nice deer off of last year. And I've got a different neighbor on all four sides of that 40. And all of them rifle hunt. And uh, all of them brown it's down, you know, that type yeah. of mentality. One, mm-hmm. one, one is it, but the other are. So, you know, but... <laughs> We killed two really good deer off of Taylor's 163 and my mom's 140. So, um, you know, a, a white tail's a white tail. And regardless if I was hunting on a large tractor ground, a small tractor ground, or a piece of public ground, I myself would try to target the best deer I knew of, right? I mean, that's just what's in my heart. So mm-hmm. whether I kill it or not, I'm still targeting. That's who I'm hunting. Um, so, and I think most people are probably that way. Um, if they're out there and they've got a lot of time, they're probably going to hunt the best deer they know of. Uh, or they may just be out there for a meet and try to go out a weekend and kill a doe or two and, and get it done. But if you're passionate about something, you're going to do the best you can regardless of the situation you're in. Right. Um, and that, that's how I would, I would answer that question. So I've got small tracks. I've, I've got, you know, some decent sized land that I hunt on, but I've still got, you would not believe how much pressure our farms get from the road traffic during the rut. It looks like Disneyland in June. (laughs) (laughs) Say the field of dreams. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable how many – and annually, I'll find four, five, six different bucks on my farms with their heads cut off. So we oh, may not man. we may not be hunting a public piece of ground, but we're getting pressure. Right. Trust me. We're getting pressure in a different form in a different fashion. Some of it's at night. <clears throat> some of it's during the day on our fence lines. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting it. I, I've walked accesses to stands – pre-dawn and had guys shining me are you are you the juries hey buddy how you doing just want to talk they just want to shoot the breeze oh we heard it was your land we just want to shoot the breeze with you know so stand and visit with them so (laughs) wait now they're in the dark he stands at you stand and visit with these people Absolutely, I stayed a visit with him. You're the greatest <laughs> human being I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I'd be throwing punches. <laughs> I'd be like, listen here, motherfucker. I'm trying to go in here and hunt. I'm going to have a bush a- light afterwards, you asshole. <laughs> Damn, dude. I'm thirsty. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sorry, no, what's, Mark. What's, Skedaddle. We're all, we're all out there doing 
out there deer hunting. We're having a good time, right? So we were, my, oh my sister God. and I were hunting. We're, we're hunting in Missouri, 97 acres. And we climb up the stand. We get in there a little bit late. It's already daylight, but the movement had been midday. I got a 97-acre slice. I got I got one, two. I got four different neighbors, right? One of them walks by pounding posted signs in. And this is rifle season, like, third day. He, he killed his deer. He's from Indiana. And, uh, you know, he's out there pounding these signs as loud as he can. So I climb down. I go over there. I go, hey, how's it going? You know, and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, I got my deer, and I'm just posting. I've been having some trouble with some people coming up down this fence line. I go, oh, wow. I go, yeah, I'm over here with my sister. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. He goes, well, sorry, I won't make so much noise. And I said, I go, you're welcome to come sit with us if you like. That's he cool. climbed up the stand. He climbed up the stand. Turns out. He he had just he had retired from teaching. My sister was a, a longtime teacher. They're sitting there shooting the breeze and had a great conversation about teaching and kids and all this stuff. All of a sudden, this shooter and I'm not lying comes out of his farm, <laughs> walks across the ridge, walks across the ridge down in this valley, then comes out over here on this food plot and she shoots it. And I'm telling you what, it was one of the coolest experiences. He was pumped, she was pumped, and I was pumped. So the you know we're all hunters we're out there trying to do the same thing the best thing you can do is try to get along with everybody man i mean i i I love i love other hunters so it's one of the things that disturbs me the most is when i see people bitching and moaning and pissing around on social media you did this you did that it's just like shut up go do something productive please i love it man (laughs) that's uh (laughs) that's incredible that's really cool actually that I just talked about this on a different podcast. Like that's the one thing that burns me about like whitetails. For some reason, everybody thinks they own the whitetails. Mm-hmm. Like no matter where yeah. they're at, it's their deer. Or yeah. that, not everybody, but you know what I'm saying. It's trail cameras. That's what's doing it. You get a picture of it. There's my buck this season. You take possession because you look at that deer every day, every day, two or three hours a day. Especially if it's a big one, and you're like, "That's my buck." And when somebody else kills it, it's like they took it from you. But in reality, all you had was a moment in time of that deer. That deer's ranging two or three square miles. It's not your deer, man. It's not. It's everybody's deer. When somebody kills a big one, be the first person to send him a text and say, "Congratulations, awesome, oh, good absolutely. for you." That's the best breakdown of that ever. That's how yeah. I am with my neighbors. Like I, they, I know they have the same pictures of these big deer and stuff. I'm like, if you do kill it, let me know and I'll congratulate you. Yeah, or if, you, if you need help it. tracking it, let me come track yeah, it with absolutely. you. Absolutely. The best. Hell yeah. I have the same thing with my neighbors. Absolutely. At least let me see it. I mean, enjoying yeah. the situation. Yeah. Right, That's right. The way it be. But uh, I don't know. There's some real selfish hunters out there. Tracy said it. I bet it was 25 years ago because there were some guys on our team that were arguing and pissing and moaning and i'm getting calls from both of them you know and it's all over big deer and she goes man big deer bring out the worst in people and that was was 25 years ago and she was exactly right big deer and money do the same thing the the, uh the previous 10 minutes i learned the two greatest things ever is number one you got to diversify your farms and that mark jury is one of the greatest human beings (laughs) ever met in my life yeah and this it's I need to find your farm. Just go hang out. So yeah, I'm so we can hang out we, we more. What, what I love about it is like I, I, I was kind of like surprised to hear your answer. Like people are shining you as you're walking in or out. It's like man, I'm trying to hunt, but it's also in a way you kind you know what you've like built yourself up to. It's all hard work on your end, Mark, and you kind of like in a way have signed up for that being someone in the hunting media. So like you you know what you've done, you know what it is, so you. You got to deal with it as like situations like that approach you, I guess, right? 
Absolutely, man. And I, I, you see me at shows. I love talking to people. I like talking to hunters, man. I, I learn a lot just talking to people because I'm a, I'm a question asker. Like I'm usually asking, you know, they start telling me what they're seeing and what they're not. I'll ask additional questions just to see if I can learn something. And, yeah. and you can still have a conversation just like the one we're having here with a, a deer hunter that's passionate that you won't learn something. Even if you learn what they're doing wrong, <laughs> you don't tell them, but you <laughs> go, let's try it. <laughs> right. uh, but you, you can always take something away that's a, a teaching moment or a learning moment. That's why Terry and I always try to be educational. You know, I mean, it's like, what did we learn and, and how did we learn it? And then share that with people because, you know, we're not, we're not funny. We're not good looking. We better be educational. Or people aren't, <laughs> we're not do Damn. I got none of those. <laughs> grabbing at straws here. You still there, Mark? Did we lose you? I'm here, man. Okay, cool. Yeah. It cut out for a, just like a split second. No, that is sure. really cool, man. And I will vouch for you on that when you said that, just so no one's like going to roll their eyes, which our listeners get it. You know, they're, we have a great group of listeners. We're super fortunate. But when we podcasted at the Iowa Classic, when you came to hang out and record with us, you stood outside of our booth and bullshitted with people just walking by. Yeah. And I was kind of like... It was a moment that I had to take in. I'm like, Mark Jury's chilling out here with our hat on, bullshitting with people. In our, in our booth. Yeah, like, in yeah, in our booth, in front of our booth. Like, it was like, oh, damn. They had no idea. They walked by, like, oh, oh shit, is that Mark Jury? Yeah. Who are those fat idiots, fat drunk idiots behind him? Well, yeah. one. Yeah. Well, at least one. But it was just cool because that's what you did. And I was like, man, this is cool. I, I It was my childhood dreams come true type thing. See, see what I'm doing? I'm kissing your ass again. So, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. I'm going to tell you a hilarious story. This goes back into the, like the, oh, I'm going to say this is like 93 through 95, six, somewhere in there. Like, this is like when, like, there's no social media with the exception of a few chat rooms, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> chat room, though. ASL. Both site and archery talk and all these things. And like, they were fairly new at the time. So everybody got on there and read every comment. So, and I, and I really wasn't aware of them that much, honestly, but I had, this would have been post mad calls because it was already, this would have been like 95, 96 probably. Okay. So go to the Bass Pro Fall Classic in Springfield. All my buddies are there. I go out on Saturday night. There was always a big party. I get drunk as hell. Okay. <laughs> I get drunk. So I have to go work the show the next day, and I, I'm just telling you, I was hurt. All right, so I am no doubt a little shorter than normal. I'm not not overly conversational, and and I had two or three people light my ass up because <laughs> normally I talk to everybody, right? And yeah. I had a bad day. I wasn't feeling good. Okay, I'm going back. We have that. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't want to just talk about deer that day or turkeys or whatever it was, and I probably was shorter than normal. And these two guys are like, we met Mark Jerry, and that's the rudest SOB we've ever met. <laughs> they, they light me up on all these pages, right? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ, you may, you have one bad day, and it haunts you. So. <laughs> haunts you for the rest of your life. Oh, my um, gosh. But I was, whoever they are, if you're out there, I'm so sorry. Grab me the next time you see me. I'll talk to you as long as you want. And I was hungover. I'll just let you know <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing what we do mark is uh and i know we're a little different because everyone knows we're just drunks but th this happened at ata last year i don't know if you remember when we recorded with you at ata remember how miserable i was 
Yes, I remember. <laughs> um, I'm just like when people come up, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm still really drunk, and that's just part <laughs> of the deal. Um, I, I live my brand. Yeah, I, how, fun story yeah. on that. Kurt came home at five. <laughs> 30 in the morning and got up and was back at the show at like what i don't know whenever it hey, opens. what time did i come home because i woke up in a random hotel room <laughs> <laughs> that did happen and not with a woman by the way no it was with three dudes i was like oh wait, wait a minute i, 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 mean, I assumed that much <laughs> yeah. Yeah. come on there it is love it body bag body bag body, body bag. bag um let, let's 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 do a hard change in some summer scouting stuff um, we reached uh, out to our if listeners. You want to make it more boring? That's up to you. What's that? <laughs> I said, if you want to make it more boring, that's up to you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying we can't get off on some drunk stories or whatever we want to do, but that's always an option. <laughs> we could save that for the end because we did promise we'd give you guys some educational stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some trade show secrets. <laughs> some trade show secrets, right? Oh God! No. How Steve spent the night with three dudes. I don't know. We'll dive into that. That'll be like an after the after. The, okay, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm uh, it's fine. No, well, I'll, I'll talk about it in detail. I'm ready to talk about it now. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm good. a survivor. I'm a survivor. All right, easy. All right. So we reached out. We wanted to talk summer scouting with you because, I mean, you're one of the OGs of the industry, and so. Before we get into like listener questions, I kind of wanted to break down how this time of year, working your way into the fall, what are maybe like the top three, top five things that you're looking for? What are you doing or what are you not doing to maybe like relieve pressure during the summer months? Well, uh, I'm not going in much right now. Like I, I really like things to settle down and, you know, because you've just gone through perhaps food plotting, stand placement you haven't done it the sooner you do it the better i think um or if it's stand maintenance or trail trimming or whatever it is i like getting all that stuff in the rear view mender rear view window no later than mid-july and then i let the cameras do the rest of the work and you know if you've got a cell cam fantastic that's that reduces intrusion if you've got camera that needs to be checked resist the temptation to go check it um put it out whether it's on a trail, a scrape, a water source, whatever it is, leave that sucker alone at least four weeks, at least. Give them a month because these deer don't move around a whole heck of a lot. Let them have time to come in. And if it's a mineral site, you know, they're not going to visit it every day. So, you know, they might only come once in that month. They might come once a week, whatever it is. If it's over some sort of an attractant like any supplement gold um, or, say, a bio rock for biologic or a trophy rock, something like that, let that sucker go. Just stay away from it. So focus on on reducing intrusion and then focus on whatever fall plans you have. If you're going to plant food plots, make sure you got all your equipment ready, make sure your seeds ready, your spreader works, so that when you go in there, you do it quietly, get the, get the job done, and get it done. I like to do food plots. Any work I do, I start paying attention to wind direction this time of year. I don't go places on the wrong wind. Uh, I try to do stuff at high noon. Um, you know, I don't like being out there during the first hour, last hour, and bumping deer around. They just, they don't, they don't like it. So I try not to do it. And one thing I never do personally, I don't go look for deer this time of the year. I let the cameras do the looking. I just, I don't, I don't. Most of my foods in an area where you have to got to get in there to see it. So therefore, I just don't, I don't go. You know, the cameras are, cameras going to tell you what's there. 
you know, and you're still a long way from the deer season. So herd's going to shift around anyway here in August and September. Like I noticed <clears throat> there's always a big shift. A lot of guys like to get their cameras out 4th of July to the 15th, 20th, right in there. I like to put mine out around, oh, about now, 15th to the 25th, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And then I leave them go till late August because you'll catch a few deer late July. And then all of a sudden when those antlers are kind of done, done, uh that's usually around the first week of august all of a sudden there's a little bit of a shift and you start catching a few new bucks and then i find another shift like the 18th to the 20th of, of august it's crazy how many new bucks historically show up 18th through the 20th or 21st of august where they come from i don't know all of a sudden they'll just show up and i, I do think it coincides with hey my antlers are done i'm actually going to start covering ground now because they're not covering ground right now very much and then once the velvet comes off so my first round is going to roughly represent july 25th through about august 25th then i leave them go again for another at least two or three weeks and i'll probably start putting some cell cams on them as i lead into the missouri opener which is september 15th so i'm not out there very much i just let let deer be deer and i try not to intrude and i'm doing some other things i'm shooting my bow and you know getting all that gear ready camera gear that stuff so reduce intrusion that is super interesting and it makes me feel really good that you said that so one there's a bunch of pro tips in there i didn't realize as much like how patternable the summer shifts could be and i didn't it's crazy that you know rough dates on when those summer shifts are that is to me it shows you have truly observed whitetails on an elite level of the game (laughs) absolutely um that is so interesting and i I, that makes sense to me but i never i I don't have the experience to be able to break that down yeah i never realized um like the late august he said when new bucks come in like it actually is true. Like now, I think about it. But it makes sense, right? Yes. From what you know, but like from, where do they come from? It, what I do like about everything you said is because when I do other podcasts or I have people ask me, like, "Hey, what are you doing in the summer?" Because you see other people scouting and doing all this stuff in the summer, and it makes you feel like you're not doing what you should be. <laughs> not doing right. It's like social media pressure to a point. But my theory is let them do their thing in the summer, get your cams out. And then I always like figure it out and I'm more malleable during the season and I'm mobile to try and like hone in on the buck. I want to kill or whatever during season. Um, so I feel a little better about not being as on it as far as social media standards are concerned when it comes to like summer scouting and summer pressure. Yeah. How'd you get where you got to see them? And why did you go there? I mean, unless, you know, unless you're trying to photograph them and you want something cool that way, great. But, you know, unless you got a phenomenal lookout from, you know, a mile away, like I'm not going in. I just, I don't, your end scent, you know, there's never enough wind speed this time of year. So your scent goes every freaking direction, right? So uh, I just, I just don't like going out there. I, I hate it, actually. I just feel like I'm, you're making mistakes, you know, in my mind, I'm making a mistake. But it does make it hard for me to get my bikini trail cam check and pick in. So, yep, go. You know, you gotta, so, you gotta, you gotta pick big hey, deer or Instagram, social media followers. Your Instagram <laughs> suffers for big deer. That's <laughs> yeah. the way it is. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Um, so, I think I, I do want to get into these questions, but I think you answered a ton of them just with that. Is like low pressure is better. Let your cameras do the scouting for you. Don't mess with them in the summer because they're going to do their thing and things are going to change from summer to the fall anyway. Is that fair? 
Absolutely. Deer are masters. They are masters of not letting you know you made a mistake, right? Like they're sitting there watching you, hearing you and smelling you and not reacting because they're staying in their bed. That's their number one defense mechanism is to not give up their position. You ever notice how you about got to kick one in the butt to get them, get them going in the summer? Like you literally, well, how many do you think you walk by or put your scent trail across or allow to be seen that never move because there's so much cover they're not moving but they're observing and they're patterning you don't let them pattern you let your cameras pattern them and if you go in there and you think <clears throat> i didn't jump in deer i'm fine yeah but how many still knew you were there or how many are going to know you're there because they smell you hours later like they are unbelievable at tracking humans and they and they react to it it's i think it's why a lot of guys go through the seasons and just don't have the success that you think they should uh but are they the guys that are out there you know nosy nailing around constantly in their hunting area man yeah. it's the worst thing you can do it's the worst thing you can do you want to be out there but man alive can you do some major damage to a white-tailed deer particularly a mature buck that's been through a few seasons you're not going to kill him you're just not going to do it man you know? i love that because it's funny when I do. I'm not gonna lie. I feel the social media pressure when I see guys out there getting mm-hmm. velvet. I think we all do. Well, yeah, getting velvet like spotted and scope picks of them like not that far away and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, man, that's something you don't really see on the working class bow hunter page. No, like we don't really do a lot of that. But we also killed pretty decent bucks during season. So, and I would rather figure it out and. I, I like being malleable a little bit and kind of rolling with the punches on like what a deer's doing and getting after him why he's active rather than in the summer. So that does make me feel a lot better. But I do feel the pressure of man, it would be cool to spot some bucks in velvet. Yeah. And, get some good pictures and, and yeah. to go in there and get pull that S C card when you should be staying out of there, you know, if you want to get that picture of that big buck exactly. in velvet, you know. But you know what I'd rather be doing than that? Putting a tag around a buck and getting some trophy photos <laughs> yeah, for our that's right. That's right. My yeah. guy. You know, I have a we, – we all actually have a buddy, and he told me this. He's let me hunt his property a couple times where he comes in. And this happens during season. There's one road in, and there's a ridge that goes up. And he's like, dude, I swear that these deer bet and watch us. And they have picked their patterns up of when they go and hunt. And they – because they can see, you know, when the trucks come in. They said every time they go out, you know, they'll go hunt, and then, they, at, you know, after they make their entrance, maybe about an hour or two later, that's when all the deer start making their moves. So they figured them out, and it's just, I, you know, you hear about that during the season, but you would never think about it during the summer, too, like you you mentioned. It's just, I don't know, it's, it, it's something that I need to think about more, because I just picked up a new piece, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not too familiar with it, but I don't want to make mistakes of, I've got limited time because this property is a couple hours away. You know, I got to yep. really figure out, okay, this is this is probably my golden opportunity, but I might not be able to get to all the pieces that I want. Uh, and, you know, when you said you use wind direction, I mean, I think that's probably something that's going to be good for me to, all right, if I'm going to access this piece, I don't really know what's going on, what all the trails look like. I'm not too familiar with it. So I think that's going to have to... I, I think you might have to coach me a little bit, Mark, because I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of going into this as like, Hey, man, I'm going blind, but I don't want to blow all the deer out of here, assuming that there are any. You know what I mean? Well, the best thing you can do is just stay out. Let your cameras do the do the work for you. Mm-hmm. It, you know, of course, you've got to go set the cameras. If you can do it with a cell cam, more power to you because you're going to be learning as you go, which does uh, help 
satisfy the the urge to go out there and be on the place. But mm-hmm. if you get a chance to hunt it lightly this fall, you know, take some time to observe the deer movement, then walk the living tar out of it right after the season, say in February, and trot, you know, plot out every trail, every bedding area, every food source, every water hole, say on an app like Onyx. And, and then just study that map and study your access and study what the wind's doing and go to places and scout the wind speed. You got to do that with the leaves on, then you got to do it with the leaves off. Certain speeds are going to do one thing in a topography. Other speeds are going to do another. And that varies whether there's leaves on or leaves off. So you always want to be wind scouting whenever you're out there. So I am a slave to the wind direction and the wind speed, man. That's how you kill deer is not letting them smell you, see you, or hear you. I love creeks. I love access up and down creeks. I'll I'll go through and trim a creek out in the summer and make sure I can, you know, go up and down it. I mean, it's the, it's the best access you can possibly imagine, especially if it's, you know, it's not so so deep. So would you say for like a new property like Steve's, would you go in, you know, not very far at all and set up a camera and just hope for the best? You're, you're working fringes. Yeah. Uh, if I had a new property, when did you get it, Steve? Uh, I, I got access to it hella, like, I guess about a year ago, but I moved to Iowa, and now you can hunt it. So yeah, and I went up there once, and we checked because uh, it's it's spread out. There's a couple of different, uh, or quite a few different parcels. A big farmer owns. Just send it to Mark. Different things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude. I'll just send you all the locations. <laughs> yeah, Tim. Well, send me a map. I'm happy to look at it. But like, I would have scouted it heavily in the winter if I didn't do that and I chose to stay out and wait till this time of the year, then, yes, I would go in with, depending on acreage, I like a camera per 80 acres or 100, you know, so depending on size, I have at least one camera per 80 acres. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to put it over uh, a scrape uh, if I can find it or if I know where one was, or I'll put it where trails come together, or I'll put it over feed if I can, analogic supplement gold, uh, or I'll put it over a bio rock. One of those three uh, things will be your best bet for getting summer pictures. And then I'm just going to just let the camera do the scouting. And then come season, I'm going to hunt the fringes of it and then slowly work my way into what I consider to be the honey hole based on looking at maps and based on the cover that I know is there. Uh, so I, I hunt really lightly the first year or two on a property until I see where the deer are coming from and see where they're going and then figure out how to intercept them. The, the worst thing you can do is get too much penetration on a piece of property, get right in the midst of all the deer, stay back and watch the, watch the movement from afar and then move into the movement. Because if you're in the middle of it, you're affecting their natural pattern. I like to watch deer in their natural pattern, then move in. You can smoke them all. Damn, that's heartbreaking because I want to kill them all. <laughs> you know, this, that was some knowledge. Just Mark dropped is right lighting there. this podcast on fire, Good man. Grief. Damn, I love it, dude. I love it. It's all right, weird because so, you know how many times we hear the opposite of that. It's like go, go deep, yeah, dive deep. That's where the bucks live, yeah, yeah. Go um, to the bedding area too often, almost. You know, well, that's why you hear guys. It's like I've been going deep forever. I'm I'm all over. I'm, I'm mobile, in there. I'm in the buck beds, bro. I don't know where they're at. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what do you? How do you feel about before? We, I still want to get to listener questions, but I just I'm, I'm I love rolling with it like this. This big like buck bed craze that's going on right now, and I blame the internet. Um, what's your opinion on that? Do you think it's just too intrusive for most people? Meaning, like trying to get in their bedroom. Yeah, yeah. People are just so concerned finding the bed and getting in their bedroom to kill them. You know, I think that's a great strategy during the right time of the year 
when intrusion means a little bit less to them. Um, I wouldn't really employ that strategy, and I, and I do employ it every year. Like I go into the bedroom whenever they really start cruising, you know, like somewhere around the 5th of November from then through Thanksgiving. That's probably when I'm going to sit a bedroom. But, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't charge into a bedroom any sooner than that. That's just me. You know, I want to yeah. – walk at some distance before i'm going into a bedroom because you want to you want to have the chance that they're not in it as you enter it yeah that's very fair i get that for sure and i think right now the craze is like get in their bedroom and you can kill them early but i think that and i think that's there is something to that to a point and you might think i'm wrong and i might be completely wrong but i think that that is more of a higher level type of thing and to tell average people are below average hunters or new hunters they're just screwing things up before it even gets going. Um, and then they wonder why they never saw anything. So I'm of the, the mindset that, yes, that bedroom's important when you can identify it. But I don't want to be in it, but I want to be as close to it as I can without bumping him out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense, yeah. Okay, yes, I agree with the theory, but I don't go in it. I go right to the doorway and and I'm right on the edge, but I know that my access in was good and I know my access out is good and I'm probably on some sort of food source right on the edge of where I think that deer's bedding. And it, in, in all reality, what I just stated there is how we kill 90% of the giants we kill is exactly what I just said. I'm right on the fringe of his bed and I'm on a food source, but I'm not going into the bed, but I'm, I'm within – all these deer we kill, when you see them walk out, we, we were we were sitting within 100 yards of where he was bedded just about every time. You can write that down because most of what we kill is on a food source, and it's, it's with decent light because we're with camera light, and we're on top of them without running them out. Damn, man. Mark, you're lighting this up, man. I, this is one I'm going to listen back on for sure. Yeah, this guy goes, signs autographs on his way to the tree stand and goes and, <laughs> and then goes to the big bucks. <laughs> Kills a giant. Well, let, let's, for, the record, for the record, I left that farm and hunted somewhere else that day. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> what a nice guy. It's, ah, the wind's not right. I, I, I misread something. Bye now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the wind shift, huh? Got to go. Um well, I'm going to walk through just a few listener questions here, if you don't mind, Mark. Um, first of all, thank you, everyone that wrote in a question. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate the support. Um, this is a cool one. Dominic Sheets writes, what's the best way to scout a wooded property that has no fields? What's the trail camera strategy in this case when you can't put bait out in front of the cameras? Well, then I'm, I'm going to be on a saddle or some natural travel corridor that you've identified hopefully in the winter like that's the time i do most of my scouting like i find my deer in february i walk every single inch of it or march whenever it's the shed season i walk every ounce of every wrinkle of every bit of cover that i can find so if i'm looking at the topography if it's all woods i walk every hog back i walk every valley i walk every every which way and go oh wait a minute here's the crisscross applesauce here's where everything comes together here's my accent <laughs> And I'm, I'm putting the camera right there, Dominic. So, And that's almost always, always goes with topography, at least the deer I'm hunting. Um, you know, they, they generally take the path of least resistance. And, and they can be edge-oriented, whether there's fields there or not. There's still edges within the woods. It might be the edge of a saddle. It might be the edge of a, of a cutover with hardwoods, whatever it is. 
watch those edges, watch those trails. And then once you find that spot, okay, go, how the hell am I getting here and how am I getting out? Like there's certain spots where I want to hunt and I just won't until the right time of the year where I, I have a fairly high confidence level that I can get in there without bumping much. The worst thing you can do is bump deer on the way to your stand. I, I will abandon a stand so quickly. If I'm bumping deer on the way in or way out, I'm, I'm done with it. I, I figure out a new strategy. I hate bumping deer. When, I'm, when you're bumping them, you're doing something wrong. Man. Damn, you just answered dude. like eight, nine. I just clicked out of two <laughs> windows of questions <laughs> that. during that. Great tip, man. The, you're blowing my mind here. Like, I don't know why I'm acting surprised. <laughs> um, Connor Sharp writes, how often to scout a certain location? Scouting mornings or just nights? Well, I think we kind of talked about the scouting. Yeah. And and I, I love evening because evening is the morning to whitetail. Um, you don't see us hunting a tremendous amount during the mornings uh but we've got the luxury of hunting the entire season um i don't like hunting mornings because of all the things we're talking about i bump too many deer in the mornings it drives me crazy so i love to have uh stuff situated for middle of the day or, or evening depending on what phase we're in and i'm going in there where i can see approach it very slowly and very quietly and get in there without bumping deer you know i mean that's that's the key to killing deer is don't bump them before you hunt them when you bump them you're, you're already done you don't want to do a deer drive on on the way to your your stand that's a t-shirt don't bump them before you hunt them <laughs> damn write that down <laughs> um well how sick do you feel like you're not just bumping that deer that sucker's gonna domino herds and it's horrible if you're bumping deer you're just going to the wrong spot or you're, you might have went just a little too far you know i love being on that fringe right where i can get right on the edge and, and not affect anything for sure I, I love it man that's it's a good point it's something that it makes perfect sense but might not super simple but everyone overlooks it you know it, it's mostly overlooked i think yeah the devil's in the details um so this is i just want to read this to prove that my question earlier about like the public land and pressure and stuff was not just <laughs> out of blue uh, out of the blue um chris rogers says i like to hear any of the jury's take on scouting public lands? That's a serious question, too. Not a diss or a jab or anything like that. I would genuinely like to hear their views on scouting heavily pressured deer, which you already covered. I just wanted to read that. We already talked about it. Um, so, I will, I will tell him that I would literally walk the legs out of my ass in February and March, and that's, that's how I'd find him and kill him. I would literally walk until I couldn't walk anymore. I'd, I'd notate every bed I found every trail every rub every scrape and it's because deer are so historically patternable like what mm -hmm. they do one year they're going to do the same damn thing the next year and then if you if you you know uh key into deer cast or 13 or all this stuff that we have out there for for people like if you follow those tactics whether you're on public ground or private ground it's still going to work for you so i would know the topography inside and out and then I would know which stands I want to hunt during different phases of the year. I'd also pay very close attention to the mass crop and understand through the years that the deer herd's going to switch based on crop rotation in and around the area and mass crop within the locale. 
big timber tracks are very challenging when there aren't many acorns. A lot of times those deer will vacate and they'll go somewhere else. When you do have the acorns, you're in the tips. It's why some some years you go, holy cow, I'm coming up in deer, hunt it two or three years in a row, and then all of a sudden you don't see them. Well, it might simply be acorns or a different crop rotation that's in the neighborhood and very, very close. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at 10 feet on Onyx and go, what's here, what's there? Uh, what food plot or what food source could be in the area and then understand it could affect what scouting you've done in February and March. And then as far as actually scouting it, I'd probably be a little afraid of putting trail cameras out there. So I'd use my knowledge based on the scouting that I did and, and correlate that with the food sources each and individual year. And you'll eventually find a historical pattern where you can go in there and have success on those deer. Right. So <laughs> basically like sometimes success isn't always just going to happen in one season. It might be like a two a two-year minimum buildup for certain properties. You just heard my – I'm talking about a decade there and that answer yeah. I get. Yeah, right. going to go in there and kill a giant. You will eventually, but you got to give it time. And you've got to learn the animals' patterns. And on public, you got to learn other hunters' patterns. And what I've noticed through the years, most guys do the similar things year in and year out, right? So you can go, well, I know he's going to be over on that hump this week because he takes vacation. I know this guy's going to get out of his truck. He's going to come in late, and he's going to sit right there. So you start to note those types of things as well, and you avoid those in future years. So but people are very patternable, just like deer. Pattern the deer, yeah, pattern the people. Hey, you know what? They know, they ought to bring. You guys ought to bring back the jury challenge, and you know, like the good old days. And then you guys go on public land and smoke giants, <laughs> just to, just to throw it back. It's like ah, you didn't think the boys had it still. There it is. <laughs> um, Zach, it, it, go ahead, Mark. I, All right. I, I was doing an article with one of our deer cast writers, and she said uh, it was Aaron Merrill, very, very, uh, very intelligent and great writer out of the state of Maine. And I love the fact that he's one of the writers within DeerCast. But she brings a whole different perspective to the app, and, and I, I love that. And she said, if you could, if you were starting Jury Outdoors today, what would you do differently than you did? You know, back in 1989. Well, we've evolved through the last 30 years. You can't you can't replace that history, right? It's just like all the writers knocking statues down or whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that's our history. Well, our history led us to this point this day, and I like my farms and I like hunting those farms. But in answer to her question, I said I would probably, if I started Drew Outdoors today, and I knew what I I know now, I would probably not be hunting private ground as much and i would try to hunt more public and relate to that audience as well instead of just relating to ear management side of our audience so uh they are fair questions and fair points because sometimes i think uh maybe we don't relate with the way we hunt but we evolved to this point and we're we're we are where we are i'm 53 terry 63 i'm not change it you know so <laughs> yeah, that's, hey, that's, I, I think you're good where you're at yeah that's and they're, that, valid, they're valid points and i get it no 100 percent. yeah that's that's fair to say and for guys like us i, I think we we I, I know we all do we appreciate everything that you've you've all done for the hunting industry it's just i think guys get in that mindset and i see it a lot because i'm a big pro wrestling fan it's like well, what if what if you know what if like stone cold came back and wrestled this guy it's <laughs> It's it's always fun to talk about. It's fun to dream about. And obviously, you know, if if you guys ever came back and, and did it and you did a pay per view, I'd pay for it. I'm just saying, but pay per view, public land. Yeah, the jury's doing that. Uh, next question here. This is a 
by the way, I don't mean to interrupt. You talked about pay-per-view. I oh, know yeah. how to solve our national debt. If they would take <laughs> the three presidential debates, Trump versus Biden, and put them on pay-per-view, we would solve the debt in, in one in about a three-month period. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. you're not wrong. Because first of all, that'd be a body bag watching <laughs> Trump debate Biden. Yeah. Or watching Joe Jorgensen come through and clean house. All right, who's, easy. <laughs> who's, who's not going to watch that shit? I mean, they're going to be the highest-rated debates in our country's history. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward to those. Put it on pay-per-view. Charge me 60 bucks. I'll pay for it. Dana White's in the background, like, doing the weigh-ins. <laughs> oh, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. Um, this question, I think, is cool. Um, a local guy, Zach Foster, writes, If you have a booner on a summer pattern one to two weeks before season, are you diving in to try and kill him, assuming conditions such as wind and other obvious factors are in your favor opening weekend? Uh, that would depend whether I knew the deer or not. Um, it depends if it's a deer that I'm fairly confident he's going to stick around, then I'm going to wait for the first rising moon that occurs during the season. This year, if you're in Missouri, it's going to be late September. If you're in Illinois, Iowa, it's going to be late October. All right. So we kill the bulk of our deer, especially on a food source those seven to eight days that precede the full moon that's when it's rising in the afternoon that's when we're next to a bedroom on a food source and we're we're killing those deer so if if he was really touchy and tough to kill and i knew him from years previous i'm waiting for that rising moon to go in there and, and make my attack unless unless i was worried that a neighbor had a better shot at him or it, or i thought that i that he's going to leave or disperse, which happens a lot. You're like, holy cow, this buck, I don't know of him. You know, if I didn't know the deer, yes, I would immediately try to hunt that deer. But if I knew him and I had any intel into what he did throughout the season, then I'm going to wait till I felt like there was a, a little better opportunity weather-wise and moon-wise. I live and die by that rising moon going into the full moon. Uh, and I also live and die by weather fronts particularly when they hold precip uh rain events don't miss them even darker moon whatever if it's raining and it's about to stop get your ass out to a stand because they're about to move it is it is the number one trigger uh is, is rain that's about to stop especially if that coincides with the normal movement time if say there's a rain front passing by at 6 7 a.m just before daylight if it's about to stop get out there during the rain get a wet ass get in your stand because you're going to have a free pass if it's pouring rain they're not moving get in your stand get ready because when it stops every deer in the in the timber is going to be moving likewise in the afternoon if it's passing through say early season september 15th through october 1st or october 10th uh if it's coming through and it's about to stop at 6 p.m get ready because it's going to be the best night of, of the of the season Damn, Damn, dude! I would love to see like the whiteboard at the jury, uh, the jury compound of just like the amount of years that you guys have taken in this knowledge and figured that out. That is mind blowing. You should see the algorithm on a board. Terry and I took a picture of it when it was all set and done. That's in Beercast. It it is the funniest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you guys. So, it, there's I, so many variables and so many different things that go into every day, every hour, every phase. Like it is really a cool thing to show. I don't think people even figure it out. God, that had to take you oh, fucking forever to figure that out. Because <laughs> you're also it, big on the barometric pressure, right? Also huge on barometric pressure. Yeah. Provided <laughs> that's where me and Eric started with the barometric pressure from you. Yep. Right. 
So, you know, if but also be aware of the fact that low pressure is bad, but also extremely high pressure is bad. There's a sweet spot for temperature, pressure, wind speed, all that stuff. There's an optimal range. Well, think about it in terms of human human interaction, right? Like there's certain days where you're just in a great mood. Look at the weather and look at what's going on. And sometimes you can correlate that to exactly how deer feel. Also, you know, if you're a sales guy, don't go on a rainy day with low pressure and try and sell something. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody's killing themselves in Seattle or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. Stay at home. <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> Look at low pressure, crappy days. Everybody's in a shit that was funny, man. Sorry, excuse us. We're idiots. <laughs> Sorry, Nirvana fans. He didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> I don't mean by it. I'm, it's all, I'm just using examples for people to like, you know, the suicide rate's high over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look the maps. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's always raining. <laughs> well, the liberals all over there miserable, right? Yeah. Well, Chaz didn't work out, so, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Good right. Lord. Poor Chaz. You know what I would you know what I would really love to do and I'm not joking. Why don't you guys reach out to any members of Chaz that were there the entire time? They could come in hunt my farm. I really want to get to know these people and go what the hell is wrong with you and talk to them and go I really want to get to know them. You could come in with your podcast. I'd love to reach out to any member of Chaz that was there the entire time. You have an open invitation come hunt my farm cuz I really want to get inside your brain. Well, Mark, I will say you just turned every one of our listeners into a member of Chaz. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I was there. <laughs> Not dude, we found it, Chaz. Yeah, I don't know if you know, Mark. <laughs> yeah, they, people blow my mind. It's like we're living the best country in the world, and they're pissed off about it. Like, what the hell is wrong with you, Mark? What I don't know if you think about this, but I always think that the closest relationship I have towards Chaz is our friends at Loophole, and I just wonder. What oh, the conversations the there are like about jazz, you know? I, I agreed. They're right down the road from all that crap, you know? Um, and it's like, <laughs> I, I feel for them, you know, because they're all staunch conservatives and wonderful Americans and patriots, and they're living amongst that insanity. It's like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm going to write this down. This will be in the podcast notes. Mark's thoughts on Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go well, on I'm rainy days. <laughs> on the stuff, but I'd be shocked if you're, you know, your listeners don't feel the same way. I mean, we live in the best country in the world. Quit bitching about it. If you don't like it, leave. Agreed. We have we we get on some tangents like that, and we literally have zero blowback. No, never <laughs> get it. Some Canadian what, fans would be like, "Oh, that's funny," because <laughs> they're like, "I hear." Blow back. You know who's going to blow back on that? I'd love to have the debate if they do. You know, it's like you're going to lose. <laughs> it's right. Not, right. Not a hard position to to uh, talk about. Okay, so here I'm going to jump right in the next listener question. This one's kind of fun and lighthearted. Kyle Leonard asks, "Are you drinking Apple Bush Light while you're watching the bean fields before season?" No, no, <laughs> no. You guys will make fun of me if you knew what I was drinking right now, but we didn't have what I wanted. So my wife just brought me another Truly. So I'm drinking. I'm a, <laughs> oh, he's not a White Claw guy. That must be right. from Taylor's yeah. collection. No, no, no. I'm a bug. Vodka and club soda all the time by the by the freaking handle right oh, and, yeah. uh, going didn't, light. I was 
Yeah, truly. So they're actually not too bad, but I know that's not the most manly of drinks, but, man, it, it tastes good. I've yep. been drunk many times off the Trulies and White Claws. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. no stranger. Oh, yeah. Dude, white there. Girl Wasted. White Girl Wasted. I believe, uh, <laughs> I, believe I made you try a uh, Natterdays uh, beer. It was a strawberry lemonade beer, and I don't think you <laughs> liked it as much as I did, but eh, it's either here or there. Yeah, I, I think I did like it. Anything you give me, Steve, I like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Well, here's some, don't, here's don't some advice. That. Please don't, don't say that. No, I'm kidding. Steve, um, <laughs> remember when we got Kurt all pissed off because we said we were going to start our own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay. can, can we go into this story? <laughs> we can take a break from most of the questions and talk about this because I think it's really funny. It is it's hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> all right, so... So at uh, at ETA um, at one of the one of the hotels, there's a there's it's a bar, but it's also like a lounge area where everybody gets together and is just hanging out, having a good time, catching up. Because a lot of times, this is the only time of year that you're going to see all these people. And you know, naturally, Mark is um, being the the greatest human being ever, and he's enjoying his time, not talking to me. So I feel it's a good idea to go up and talk to him. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we're uh we're talking and it, it was just it was just me and him you know we're just kind of shooting the breeze and i believe that you go hey you know what steve me and you ought to start a podcast together I'm like oh yeah and i i can't think of the name uh or at the top of my head what did you think the name was gonna be oh shit i don't remember it I, <laughs> oh, I think i remember the name of it i think i remember pretty vividly and correct me if i'm wrong I think the podcast title was Fuck Kurt. <laughs> was that the title? It, could, of the it couldn't be. No way. That was 100%. It was, uh, but we we're going to spell it. But we wanted to be hip, so we we're going to spell it with a PH, you know, so we could, so we could get by the editors. <laughs> I'm laughing about it. Uh, he's like, <laughs> Mark goes, You tell him I said that. I'm like, Oh, I will. <laughs> so I said, You know. Oh. Mark texted me. I was we were we're always separate at ATA show for some reason. I, I no idea. It's just uh, things things it get always lost happen. In the I think mail, I was man. supposed to be on watching duty. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 let, I let him slide too much. Like, oh, well, I worked out. I Where were you on that one, dipshit? So uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't even stay in the hotel room that night. So I get a text message from Mark Jury. Keep in mind, and I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, Mark texted me. Cool, and it was like. Hey, Steve and I are starting a podcast. It's called Fuck Kurt. And I'm like, oh, sweet. And then oh, I was like, sweet. I was like, well, cool. I think me and Terry just started a podcast and Taylor's going to be our first guest. And then, uh, it, you came back with something. And I was like, oh, man, touche. He's too good. He's a veteran of the game. Yeah. He's a veteran of the game. Too good. He's, he's too it's good. Like, not to mention, this is like three in the morning or some shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I can't compete with Mark Drury. I just flattered he texted me. Was, no, uh, no alcohol was consumed in the conceptual uh, thoughts on this podcast. No, <laughs> no, no not at all. Absolutely not. That's hilarious. Hey, uh, like, I, I do find it interesting that he remembered the name of it. You and I didn't. So I well, it hit home. <laughs> we did hit a nerve. <laughs> I was like, well, why me? What did I do? <laughs> just, I just remember just laughing. And like, I remember what I told him when I was talking to Kurt about it. It was like the next day. I'm like, did that actually happen? Was that a real thing that happened to us? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Well, and then I reach out to Mark, so I want to make this announcement. Uh, by the way, uh, September 1st, the new uh, first episode of the podcast, uh, Fuck Kurt, is dropping me and Mark Drury. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should do? We should just do one through our platform 
just as a gag and, and launch it. <laughs> and Mark doesn't show up to it. It's just Steve. And you just hear like Kurt like wrenching his fist back. I was like, oh yeah, dumbass, you're in my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kurt's editing it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, Mark, Mark was supposed to be my big heater here and uh, get my back, but um, he did. Anyway, Kurt, fuck you. Uh, I guess that's the podcast. I'm going to go and uh, hopefully not get murdered. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the mixer boy on a podcast called F me <laughs> that's how down, that's how down for the cause kurt is yeah hey, i do you it, get it's so big they hire you i sent you a text hey steve sorry i can't make it i'm out i'm out scouting some of my properties yeah good luck though i'm going deep good luck and uh remember I'm, fuck kurt i'm going into the, going into the bedroom yeah <laughs> setting cameras up in the bedding area non-cellular cameras in the it's bedding like, area mark is the biggest phony of the hunting industry oh my god and then i just <laughs> it's over for all of us that's great well back god, to it's only because we love you kurt oh <laughs> no i know why it's because i'm the man you got to tear up the man a little bit every oh, now and again hey you got to get the boss every now and again. I, I'm sure you know what that's like, Mark. You know, Damn. it's tough out here. Got to keep your crew in check. You get you get them back eventually. But Mark said he was going to Photoshop your face on him uh, over all his hero shots of his booners for cover art. I'd be flattered by that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not, not a, that's not a bad at all. That's not offensive at all. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. And I, I'm not, and I'm not joking with you. Like I love practical jokes and pranks and stuff. I love people <laughs> that. Some people just don't take it very well, and they, they think you're kind of an asshole or whatever, but I, I like doing it, and I really don't do it unless I like the person, and so I always say, you know, it's a term of endearment for me, like if I'm busting your ass, it's because I really like you, you know, and people that That's I right. don't like, I just don't talk to. <laughs> we gotta have fun, you know. That's very fair, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you got to, you almost saw it firsthand, but you got to see the biggest practical or, uh, practical joke prank that uh, I got pulled on me where I thought I had to fight somebody. Um that uh, oh yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that at a later date. <laughs> um, I want to knock out a couple more listener questions. <laughs> I'm trying to like facilitate everything. <laughs> I think a certain friend of ours would have wished that fight would have occurred, and you would have won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? No, that's neither here yeah, nor there. No <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> David Bayback writes. <laughs> see that? See that yeah. art transition? If you have a bachelor group of bucks on your property during summer, will they all disperse when the velvet's off? Well, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Hell, they may none be there. They might all be there. It depends on what their home ranges are, how big the the bachelor group is, what the food source is like. Uh, if I had to say through time what it's like, uh, about 50-50. Half of them might stay and half of them will leave, but you're going to get some new bucks come in. So um, I'd say it's maybe a little, maybe a little different than that. I'm going to say 60% stick around and 40% leave, but you're going to backfill that 40 with bucks from somewhere else. They, they just have a natural way of, of dispersing. Okay. So then let me ask this. This is my question. If you don't have as much velvet buck photos as you thought during the summer, is all hope lost, or is there hope that deer will move in off a neighboring property to your piece once velvet's off? Absolutely. Dude, I'm telling you, it actually almost excites me some years when I don't have a bunch of big bachelor bucks because if you've got good cover, if it's a good farm and you go, man, there's going to be deer here, there's food here, there's cover here, there's water here, and most importantly, there's does here, they're going to show up eventually. 
So I, I kind of it doesn't upset me if I don't have bachelor groups of bucks. More often than not, the bucks you kill aren't the ones you're on during the summer. More often than not. Very interesting. Cool. That's just a theory that I kind of made up in my head to give myself some like positivity, <laughs> and I'm glad to hear it holds some water. Um, you know, and farms vary based on cover. Uh, so I've seen really thick timber tracks that are horrible early season, but incredible during the rut when there's acorns. I've seen uh, other farms that are only good through September into mid-October, and then they suck the rest of the year through camera history. So the best way to learn these things is to invest in as many cameras as you possibly can and learn as much about these parcels as you can through time and, and cre- keep that history, keep that camera history. That's very important. All of a sudden, as you look back at old pictures years ago, you can start to put together uh, all of the patterns of what actually happens to that farm. Not necessarily an individual buck, but the overall trend of when the bucks are there and when they use it. And then you can start to strike based on when there's been historical good buck activity on that farm. But pay attention to what could be affecting that. It could be the weather, could be the mass crop, could be the crop rotation. So as you put all your notes in your mind or in a pad or whatever you want to do or in your phone, remember when history repeats itself, you could be back in for an incredible year on that same piece of property. It may not be every year. It might be every third or fourth year when all of the stars align. Damn. I like Man, that is crazy. This. I like that, that and uh, I like a point you brought up earlier that will tie into this about you know when we talk when you talked about diversifying your farms because it's like you said you know anything could happen you you got a fan wanting to get an autograph or sometimes you lose a piece but I the the way that you're you're speaking a lot of guys I think now a lot of these public land guys are hey we need to get mobile we need to get right in there and you are you seem like you're about the long game you're all right let me stay at this property I'm not gonna do the do a whole lot the first couple of years, let it kind of simmer. So if you diversify and all of a sudden you got a couple spots that you can always go to and you're still taking notes on, you know, history of these farms, that's just, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of old school guys that are out there. They're like, dude, I've been saying that the whole time. But for what I'm exposed to, a lot of guys seem like it's, Hey, get in there right now and go get it done. Whereas you are feeding into my laziness where I'm like, ah, I'll just do a little bit. Yeah, but I think you're interpreting that how you want to interpret it. <laughs> but then that, may, that may be the case, too. When, when the throttle needs to be on, the throttle's on. Sure, right? sure. I'm, I'm not saying that, but, um, you know, you're you're saying, hey, even if you got a piece that it's not producing the first two, three years you get it, that's not saying that down the road good things aren't going to happen. So that's a, I, I think that's a very uh, refreshing Absolutely. thought. Absolutely. I mean, the best deer hunters I know are inherently optimists, right? They never give up. They're also relentless. Um, They never stop trying. And I think uh, if you give up, it's over. You're done. But if you don't give up and you keep trying and you figure out what the hell's wrong with it, you can fix problems, whether that be access, lack of food, lack of cover, lack of water, uh, or just crappy neighbors – there's a fix to every problem in in the whitetail world. There's a fix. So you just got to figure out what the fix is. You got to be the doctor and, and prescribe the right medication. But that only comes through time. You don't figure that out in a day or two. You figure that out through years of experience. So, um, and the, the other thing I will say, never forget my perspective is based around the ability to hunt four straight months, right? Or whatever long the season is. 
September 15th through January 15th. I'm out there every day and I get the luxury of hunting every day. If you're limited in time, your perspective has to change. Of course, you're going to dive in and you're going to go for it, right? Because you, you don't have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. I've got the luxury to back and wait a little bit longer. Uh, but if you're going to dive in, do it wisely and make sure that you're not bumping a lot of deer and do it on the fringe. Don't just dive in there willy-nilly and, and go, well, shit, my vacation's over. Why didn't I see a single deer all week? You know, well, you, you might be the problem. You got to look in the mirror and go, I may have caused this. You know, maybe I got too aggressive. Uh, deer don't go very far. So I'm always, I always talk about that fringe. Hell, if you watch them, they're kind of lazy. They're like a, a particularly mature buck. He's like an old dog, a dog that's 12, 15 years old. He sits on the porch, he gets up, he walks over to his bowl of food, he eats it. Then he's going to lay back down. He's going to sit there and pant. Then he's going to walk over and get a drink of water. He's going to lay back down. Old bucks aren't that different when it's pre-rut and post-rut. They don't move <laughs> far. So, so don't go in there and, and bang them around, you know, you know, try not to uh, bang them out. Don't kick that old dog off his porch, you know. Dude, I've been writing down so much during this podcast, and Doug is too. He's got more notes than I do. That like, like an old dog is a great way to look at old deer. Um, just thinking about some of the more mature deer I've killed, you know, I, I never really put made that analogy with it, but it, it's spot on. It's called the oh, old dog movement. The old dog movement. The old dog pattern. <laughs> the old dog movement. And, and what's cool about it is that kind of bleeds into this next listener question. Logan Glassburn asks, what's the biggest range you've seen a mature buck have during summer glassing and scouting? During the summer only? Well, I, yeah, that's what he's referring to, but I'm curious just in general as well. So add my little blip into that question. Um, summer only, it varies. I mean, if it depends what time of the summer you're talking about. June, it's it's microcosm. They, they don't move very far. July, they expand a little bit depending on food source. And then in August, they start to shift around just a little bit more. So maybe a square mile. I don't know. It depends on food source or what your topography is. It's it's very hard to put these things into a, a bottle, right? You yeah. just never. Situational. It's very situational. It's very geographically situational, pressure situational. So you just you just never know. And it's it's personality situational too. I've seen bucks. We killed a buck. Todd Smith, the editor of Outdoor Life, killed a buck that I swear to God didn't leave an eighty acre parcel on my farm. I had cameras all over that place. Couldn't get him anywhere. Every time I sat on the eighty, I saw him. The only place I got his pictures was right there. We finally killed him when he was five after I figured it out killed the deer he had the smallest home range i've ever seen and he was a giant didn't have any scars on him any scratches big old mature iowa buck and then i've seen other deers scratched up scarred up and they're all over the damn place regardless of where you sit on your farm you can go two miles away he's going to walk by your stand you know it's just amazing how personalities differ and i will say this the largest bucks i've seen have been the laziest non-moving deer that i've seen they don't move very far uh, the smallest bucks I've seen, those those calls you were talking about early, oftentimes can be one that's just quite active within the landscape and just moves around a whole hell of a lot. So he's giving himself the social stress. He's a type A personality. He's checking every doe. He's, he's pushing off every buck. Uh, and uh, because of that, he wears himself down, and therefore he doesn't have a very good rack. He never reaches his true potential. Those big giants, oftentimes they don't move very far. Look at their capes. They're oftentimes beautiful and perfect. They're not very confrontational. 
That's interesting. Damn. That is interesting. I, I want to get through a couple more of these. We've we've really knocked out a good group of these uh, listener questions just in conversation. Um, so here's one that is it's kind of a situational question, fairly basic, but I do want to hit this because I know there's going to be really experienced hunters listening to this and some new hunters listening. Um, this is an Instagram question. Um, sorry, guys, I don't see your full name on Instagram. I just see the handle. B Blevins 930 uh, writes, how do you determine the correct when to hunt a spot? And I know that's kind of vague, but I just, I'm interested to hear your response to that. Well, I do a lot of wind scouting. So you look at a map and you go, I think the deer are all upwind of this position and there's not going to be many downwind of that position. I like a 75-25 rule because if you're on 100%, 0%, in other words, 100% of the deer are upwind and 0% are downwind, chances are you're too far off the mark, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If get to a position where most of the deer, 75% are upwind of me and 25% are downwind of me, I feel pretty good about that spot. I'm probably in a, in a good area. But you really don't know exactly about wind speed and wind direction until you sit there several times because topography makes a difference, uh, wind speed makes a difference, uh, the foliage makes a difference. So you really only get those things by sitting there and wind scouting it in the off-season and then during the summer. Go there on a variety of different winds, check the wind, watch where it goes, and do it specifically to the time of the evening that you're going to hunt there or the time of the morning so that you can understand what it's doing during conditions when you're going to be there. Um, and it takes a long time to figure out, holy shit, the wind is perfect here on a south-southeast at 12 to 15 miles an hour. You only get that through time. It's one of those things that you look, look at a map and go, south-southeast should be blowing right here. You go there, south-southeast is actually blowing out of the south-southwest because of topography or leaves or something like that. Wind scouting is huge in white. I've really never anybody else talk about it and i talk about it all the time you've got to go there and understand what the wind's doing at a variety of speeds and a different at different times of the year no yep, that's great advice man that that's taking wind scouting to another level yeah, um, it is for sure i think it's important especially if you're like you know the previous questions where, where zach asked like moving in on a booner or if you're going to hunt more fragile areas you need to know that type i of got stuff so much shit to think about this year now yeah this is really <laughs> opening it up a little bit um, this question, I think, is is a cool question. I think that relates to a lot of our listeners, and I've had some experiences with it as well. Uh, Danny Green fifty nine writes, "How do you go about pattering bucks when there is cattle on your hunting land?" He says, uh, "I assume the deer wouldn't be in the same spot every day if the cows happened to move where the deer were going to bed or feed." I go find another spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, damn. It's really tough. I mean, cattle and deer want the same thing. They want the food that's out there on the landscape. And my experience has been that deer don't like cattle. So with that being said, uh, I've got some cattle parcels, some cattle places that I lease. And I talk to the guy, when will the cattle be in here? Okay, gotcha. That's when I'm going to try to avoid it. And then the moment they pull them off, guess what? You've got young green coming on. Catch a rainfall right after they pull the cattle off a pasture. There's clovers exploding out of the ground. All of a sudden, cattle pastures, maybe one month, are horrible because the cattle are there. And then they become the hottest place in the neighborhood because the farmer pulled them out. 
and boom, the clovers come on because everything's real short. You catch a rainfall, then every deer in the neighborhood's coming to that fresh green. So you kind of have to like balance the cattle pressure with the deer pressure. And I, I try not to put all my eggs in a cattle cattle pasture basket. It's one of those things like one fall, it may be unbelievable. And then two or three falls in a row, it may not be quite as good because he's got cattle in there on a winter pasture as opposed to a summer summer rotation. Damn. So you you gotta, you know, weigh it out with, with when he's got them in there. The best, best thing to do is communicate with him and find out when they're in there and when he's pulling them off. Is it summer or winter, winter pasture? Can you imagine if there's a cattle pasture and he pulls the cattles out and then you go in there, the cattles, the cattles, <laughs> and all of a sudden the, the cattle are out. It's beautiful, lush green, but it's raining and then the rain just stops. Oh, Bam. Man. You got it. I, Damn. Mean, I, I figured hold it out. On, hold on, hold on. Can everybody <laughs> just stop this podcast right now? Did that just and happen? Let's give a round of applause to Steve. <laughs> Thank you. For finally paying attention. Finally taking something from Shit. the podcast. And paying attention. Steve, great I job, think, buddy. It only hey. took 380 episodes for you it to finally pull your head out like of your five and a half years. there, maybe. <laughs> I think we... We all just audibly witnessed a light bulb moment for Steve. <laughs> we did. Hey, can, can, can I did. tell you guys this? I just um, watched it burned out. Real it happens fast. every five and a half years, so we got to allow for the next one. Yeah, we're about yeah. six years into this thing, and Steve finally woke the fuck up for a second. <laughs> one of the uh, the, the best looking pieces uh, we had, uh, Lord Chandler. I had Lord Chandler look at, and I said, "Hey, they're getting ready to put cattle in here." I don't know when, but he's like, this looks really good. Hopefully they don't put cattle in there this year. I'm, now I'm kind of hoping they put cattle in there. Well, no, that's a little too late. But I, I'm i playing the Marjorie Long game, and maybe in a couple years not. when the cattle's in there, boy, I'm, I'm just hoping for them rainy days, man. That is. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, one of the guys I grew up hunting with in Fulton County, Illinois, which not too far from Jim, I, I, believe, I don't know exactly where Jim Tomey's farm is, Mark, but I, when I hunted here and we watched Jim Tomey on your guys' uh, videos and stuff, I was always like, that's only a few miles from here. And we'll talk after. I think we might have talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. But one of my buddies, um, he's a farmer, uh, a cattle guy, everything. He, we had the spot we called the Northwoods. And it was notorious. This area was notorious for big, big, mature, typical tens coming out of it. And he always said his father-in-law ran cattle in and out of it, and he would always hunt before and right after the cattle left. And he killed a net 174-inch giant 10, one of the most beautiful bucks I've ever seen in person, um, off that ground right after the cattle left. And I always just remember him saying, once the cattle are in, the deer are out, and then vice versa, you know, yep. with that. So once they leave, that's something in. that stuck with me since I was a youngster. And I never really had opportunity to hunt like a spot like that mm -hmm. where they were in and out. But I always remember him talking about that. The other times that they're incredible are spring of the year. So many sheds on cattle pastures because they're the first thing to green up. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I'm gonna write makes that down. Sense. <laughs> you know, and, and I've I've noticed the exact opposite. I hunted this um, this piece that had a couple horses, and it wasn't like you know like hundreds of cattle, but it was. About three or four horses, but when you're walking out in in the area where they're you know mostly at, they've they've got a whole pasture out there. But you notice in the mud where the, all the horses are at, tons of deer tracks, and they've been out in the field with horses. So I I, I was always just kind of curious of why they hated or why deer didn't 
hang around cattle as much as they did horses. Now, granted, there's not 150 horses out in this pasture, but I <laughs> there's only three or four. <laughs> <load of> horses. <laughs> like three or four, but I mean, they're you know, I, I'm not saying that horses are a more aggressive animal, but a lot of times, a lot of these horses were more social animals. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. No, I thought you were going to add more to that. All right, I just told a ramble. I'm sorry, I told a useless well, story. My bad. Here's I want to be conscious of Mark's time. Yeah, and Mark, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast, and I know our listeners will appreciate you answering their questions. You dropped a ton of knowledge on us. I'm super thankful for that. This podcast is one I, I will listen back on just to multiple times. You have to. Well, I, yeah, I have to do it, especially like me picking up a new property, thinking about summer scouting, all that. Everything that I question myself on, which I always do, on like what I know, what I want to know, all this, this will kind of keep me in check from being too o- overly ambitious to where yeah. I'm causing more harm than good. Mm, right. Um, so just, just thank you is what I'm trying to say. Thank you for everything. Oh. Thank you for your time, all that. My pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'll, I'll do it anytime you want to. It's it's so much fun to sit here and talk to a bunch of guys that love the outdoors like we do, and just shoot the breeze. That's why I love I love your podcast. So I'll do it anytime that you want me on. I'll, I'll be there. Awesome. Okay, so the next three weeks we're going to schedule you up. <laughs> um, I actually did write down some topics that I think are going to make some great future podcasts for us to collaborate on. So I'm is the moon to... one of them? Because he brought that it up. Might be very Steve. It might time. be Steve. It might be Steve. In person, though. Yeah, we got to make that happen. We, we do got to make that happen. Hey, Mark, one question before you get off here. Like, last week we had 80, 90 mile an hour winds come through here. Is that something you would go out and check your stands, check your cameras, make sure there's no trees down, or just kind of go over the property a little bit? You mean right after them? Yeah, or, I mean... Within a few days or something. Within a few days. Uh, yeah, certainly. If there's a, a danger aspect, absolutely. But I'm going to do it on the right wind at midday. Uh, you can't overstate, you know, what a great opportunity we have in the middle of the day. Or if you can do it just prior to the next rain event, because it's kind of like taking a chalkboard. So you go through and you commit all your sins by going in your property and leaving <laughs> sentence. If you could, you can do that just before a rain event. It really helps erase that chalkboard with all the trail that you let, laid down. So I would note it and I would go, okay, we had a big wind event. I need to check these things, but I would make sure I did it at an opportune time. Gotcha. Very smart. For Catholics, okay. uh, getting rid of sins is called penance, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Mark, anything you guys want to you want to close out with for the listeners? Um, anything coming up or anything real quick you just want to close on? You know what? I, I just wish, wish everybody have a great fall. And um, you know, if, if they want to join us over on Deercast, I know you guys are all Deercast users. I'd love to welcome them over there, and we're just loading everybody up with information over there. The the job that those guys are doing on Deercast, outside of the predictive model. But what Tim and Matt and our whole crew are doing with all of our different riders and all the information and all the all the kills, it's all over there in Deer Castle. Check it out. There's a free version, a version for ten bucks and a version for twenty bucks. So check it out. I, I, hopefully, it helps you get on that next year. And I will add to that. I've been to your guys' studio and I've seen the crew working on Deercast, like in like right live in front of me and i could not believe the guy the crew you have and how intense and serious they take their jobs and i was very impressed seeing the entire thing so thank you for bringing me in to see that and i i think it's great you know i think it's definitely worth it 
I appreciate that very much. We're very proud of the guys that are, you know, really the the magic behind the scenes. I mean, we've got so many good editors and our Drury Outdoors team. I mean, it's crazy. We talk about public ground and we talk about the stuff that we do. You know, they talk about me and Terry and, and Matt and Taylor. But if you look at our team, like it's the biggest group of DIY guys in the industry. We've got 50 guys hunting their own places doing it themselves 40 acres 80 acres whatever it is whatever size it is i suspect they'd be very relatable to a lot of the guys that are are listening to you outside of what terry and myself and matt and taylor are doing those guys absolutely get it done you're in and you're out they're big buck killers and they're doing it on places that are very relatable to everyone listening to this podcast for sure definitely well mark thank you so much for doing the podcast again brother we appreciate the hell out of you um, like always, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Um, guys, I I want to ask you if you have anything to close with, but we're going to get rocking here. Yeah. All right, you know what that means. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.